What's up, people? And welcome to the very first episode of Russell Update, right here on the Five Star Network. Also, very easy to download and find on cagematch.net, one of the greatest websites when it comes to pro wrestling. This is the first episode of our show, and it's a new podcast meant to update everyone on wrestling. How clever is that? It's so clever. My sister helped come up with it, so you, you know how that what that means if you are a listener to my other shows. I just want to introduce myself first. I'm your host, Dylan Fox, and joining me for this wonderful adventure we've been on, Scott Edwards, a legend, in my mind anyway, of the wrestling media game, interviews, podcast, website making. This guy has done it all. I'm so proud to have you on, Scott. It's so great to talk to you. Yeah, I'm excited. I'm, fi- I'm excited to get started. Uh, I think we picked a pretty good week to uh, have our first official show here. Um, you know, you and me have been going over this for a while. Obviously, things here and there came up, but we are here now, and that's what matters. And uh, let's 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 do what we're here to do, and let's talk about professional wrestling. Absolutely. I, I'm really proud of us just even one episode in. That's that's a very traditional mindset. If you all listening follow along with us for the, the duration, we have many episodes ahead, no doubt. Uh but you will find out that this show, Russell Update, is like the little engine that could on podcast. We've had all kinds of stuff getting in the way, running us off the rails, but we never got off the rails. We kept going. We thought we could do it and here we are. So first episode of Russell Update, I just want to Thank everybody listening, following along Cage Match, following along Five Star Network. Uh, I just want to give a brief intro. We won't dwell on ourselves too much. Not that I don't love talking about myself, of course, but I just want to introduce us both for a little bit. Uh, Scott, I'll, I'll let you take the lead here because you have so much cool stuff going on. I, I want everybody to know what you are you are about. Yeah, I mean, if you're listening to this and you don't know me, hello. Um, my main bag in this whole wrestling world. Um, has been Joshi for a long time. I do Joshi coverage for Fightful.com. I do Joshi for Voices of Wrestling. I do vo- uh, Joshi for Fight Game Media. The point is I do a lot of Joshi work. However, that being said, I also watch everything in professional wrestling, whether it be in Japan, North America, Mexico, Europe. You get the point. I watch it all, and... You know, I've done podcasts in the past. I do one where I kind of talk about a little bit of everything in wrestling, not just um, WWE and AEW. So that was kind of the opening I had here. I became a pro wrestling fan because of WWE. And I think a lot, a lot like other people, my love for wrestling in North America was reinvigorated by AEW. So it's only fitting that when these companies are both red hot, all of a sudden we start a podcast where we get to talk about it each and every week. And that's what I'm so excited for. Um, few things to know about me. My favorite wrestler of all time is Mayu Yutani of stardom. But if you need to know my favorite men's wrestler, it is one and only Kenny Omega. So there you go. Yeah. You, you have an idea of what I like, but I'm not, it, it, it my two favorite this is gonna this might make people laugh. My two favorite men's wrestlers of all time are Kenny Omega and CM Punk. So uh Okay. Yeah. Yep. Um <laughs> so yeah. Uh CM Punk's like always been my favorite. He re, he made me love pro wrestling in a whole different way once upon a time. And uh Kenny brought me to that 
more advanced in ring style that I just so appreciate. Those two are my favorite men's wrestlers. Um, but I, I love so many wrestlers and I love so much about pro wrestling and I'm really excited to get started. So that's enough about me. Oh, that's really cool, man. I love knowing all your favorites. You know, if longtime listeners, uh, I'm Dylan Fox, of course. You, you know, if you listen to my other shows, the Eastern Lariat, which has Strigger on it, he's like a super big guy at Cage Match. Uh, very, very popular person. Uh, but we've done that show for so long now, uh, seven years, uh, over that, over seven years together. Um, but a fun fact for you, Scott, you may not know this. Uh, right now, but when I was first on, I haven't said this in so, so many years, actually. <laughs> like, this has not been brought up. So this is a super deep cut on my history. Uh, my original nickname on the Eastern Lariat was Sorairo Neketsusenen, which is Japanese for Sky Blue Hot-Blooded Young Man, which is a combination of Mayu Iwatani's original nickname of Sky Blue Hyper-Technician and Atsushi Kotage's uh, Pink Hot-Blooded Young Man. So I had a little tribute to Mayu all the way from the beginning back then. And so we can definitely relate. Mayu, former Ring of Honor Women's Champion as well. Uh, hopefully she can get some more love in America as time goes by. Uh, I've, as far as I go, I'm just like you. I watch everything. That's the great thing about this show is that I think our show actually is great in that we come to AEW, WWE. There's so much, you know, stuff about fan wars and things like that. We're kind of right down the middle because we've watched everything. We have a totally unique perspective from other podcasts, you know, that may be fans of one or even both, not just one or both. We have the whole world kind of behind us with all the stuff that we've both done in the past. And I think that gives us a, a very unique perspective and great coverage to be had on there. I've been a fan all my life. I actually wrestled. I started wrestling when I was just 13 years old. I mean, it's nothing to really write home about. It was like super small public access goofball stuff, like public access TV show level. Um, very small indie. I was just 13 years old. Crazy story behind that. I won't bore you with it now. But the thing, the great thing about Tennessee is we didn't have any of those pesky commissions that other states would have. You know, even somewhere like in Kentucky, sometimes guys would come down from Kentucky uh, to wrestle in Tennessee. Uh, even now, I don't know if you guys saw, but there was a thing online that made the, the rounds on Twitter where a guy was like, he sent in his application for a wrestling license and, uh, uh excuse me. And he said, uh, that, or he, he posted a picture. It was like somebody drew like a stick figure when they asked for a picture. That's about how good the, the, <laughs> the commissions are in Tennessee. My grand, great grandma, nanny, as I call her, everybody in my family has like a weird name. I don't call anybody that's like great grandma's nanny, great grandpa's kin, my grandma's mama. It, it don't make no sense <laughs> unless you're from the South, I guess. But we are like, uh, she was a wrestler way back in the 60s and 70s for this guy, Lynn Rossi. Again, probably not anything big time at all, but fun stories to have and some experience. I don't really hold it to like a, a super high standard, but, uh, Lots of history in wrestling and lots of fandom. You know, my favorite era of wrestling was when I was a kid, 05, 06, Intercontinental Title Division of Raw. That's to me, is something that was very special to me. Shelton Benjamin was my favorite wrestler. TNA getting on TV, another company after all those years of WCW being gone. I always like to say, you know... We didn't choose WCW. We're from the South, so WCW kind of chose us, or uh, me in this case. But after TNA got on, I was hype. Uh, and AJ, Machine Guns, those guys, I loved all those guys. So lots of history with wrestling for me. Right now, wrestling, too, 
it's worth mentioning. I mean, we're, that's going to be one of the news stories we talk about the AEW segment. We'll try. We'll kind of keep the first half uh, about one company, and then the second half about the other one. As we go forward, obviously, uh, there's a lot of stuff going on at AEW, but we'll, we don't want to mix and match too much. That way, if if any listeners have a preference, you know, it's, it's separated and it's all good. But the world of wrestling in America is so hot right now; it's crazy. You see all the news. TV networks going crazy, new deals offered, mergers have happened this year. The year of 2023 has been huge for wrestling, and we see it again. Uh, and one of the first things I wanted to talk to you about was, uh, you know, the first topic on the show before we get into the matches and shows themselves. Our first episode, we're still going through things. We'll keep getting better and better as time goes along once we get into a good flow. But uh, before we get into the shows, I wanted to bring up a couple of news items for you, Scott, and see what you had to say, and we can talk about them a little bit. Uh, the first thing, WWE's rumored to be thrilled with Backlash. I mean, they should be because it was an epic show, of course. Uh, but there are rumors coming about, about them wanting to return there every year for shows in Puerto Rico, a place that's close and near and dear to my heart and my personal life. Uh, never mind wrestling, but uh, it's important to note, too, I just wanted to bring this up before I, I let you go on here. They were paid. It was a paid type of show. Uh, the government was paying them like a million and a half dollars to come there, promote the country, the beaches, live Bariqua and, and all that stuff. Um and I just wanted to ask you, you know, kind of lead off with this. Do you think that that's a, a good option for them? Should they go back to Puerto Rico every year for a show, make it a yearly thing? There's also stuff where they've been rumored to be headed to Perth, Australia, got people meeting there. What do you think of the future of, you know, big shows, PLEs, as they're called now, in other countries and unique places like that? I think international pay-per-views is a must um, for every company, mind you not just yeah. WWE. I think they are a success every time. And I, it almost feels like people are sometimes shocked at how rowdy the crowds are. But listen, these these countries, these places, they want to see live wrestling, but they want to see a important show, right? An important show is different from a house show that they run in Puerto Rico. And I know, I know, uh, Dave Meltzer talked about this, how it's it kind of unlikely they're going to go back there for PLEs unless they're paid, right? Because that's mm-hmm. why they did it in the first place. Um, I think there's something special about it. I think at least every other year they should do a big show in Puerto Rico that's live aired, not just a house show, even if it's just Raw or SmackDown, because you get that special feeling each and every time. Um, I think I think it would be a smart choice to do so, and obviously they should be happy with it. And I think when a show is as successful as that, as successful as Clash at the Castle, you have a very good chance of seeing more and more international PLEs moving forward. I really love what you said about not just WWE. I mean, we're going to talk about it a little bit when we get to the AEW part. I mean, that's the proof is in the pudding. We're seeing success after success after success. Uh, Clash at the Castle last year, great point bringing that up, what a huge deal that was. Uh, the Puerto Rican audience was just so incredibly special. Uh, there's a lot of reports about the – they did this tour in Europe where they went to France. The crowds are going crazy there. They loved it. 
Uh, you know, I'm with you. I think every company needs to try if, – if they're big enough, of course. I mean, I'm not saying like, you know, every local indie can, can do it. But like for a WWE or an AEW, if you're wanting to be a big-time company – there is a path to great success in every place, especially a place like Puerto Rico, which has so much history with wrestling. Um, you know, we saw stuff even in like the Bad Bunny match they had on there. I mean, he was doing the, you know, they did the Carlos Colon figure four spot in his match. And obviously Carlito got a huge reaction. I know we both love that. Listen, this is the only show. The other shows won't give you this kind of insight, guys. We want Carlito to dethrone Roman Reigns. I think we can both agree on that and become uh, the next champion. I don't. I don't know if I went that far. <laughs> okay. Okay. Now you see, you, you're not riding with me all the way. Okay. I see how it is. Well, I'll stand on this island, did Carlito for Universal Undisputed Champion uh, in, in my book. But uh, regardless of that, the, the crowds went really were really hot for everything going on there, and there's places all over the world. That's one of my favorite things is actually. Because maybe a place isn't necessarily known for big, you know, like a big wrestling scene there, like even with France and stuff like we saw. But there's places all over the world where there's passionate fans that love wrestling. And if they can turn it into a more than a wrestling show, a media spectacle, which I think this show, the backlash was very successful in doing, there's no reason you can't go all over the world. You can't do this. To me, every month may be a stretch for like an international big show. But I don't think it's impossible if they wanted to, to do that. Some of those memorable shows, even if it was maybe even not a PLE, if it was just a Raw somewhere, that would be hard because, uh, you know, of the timing situation and things. More The PLEs, you get more leeway with the time. Uh, but I remember when I was a kid, they went to Tokyo for, like, a SmackDown or a Raw, and, like, Funaki got a huge reaction, <laughs> you know, you know, there, like, you know, a mega pop. Uh, just those type of things and to see which fans are. There was a lot of interesting reactions anyway. Like, look at the – the reaction EO Sky got against Bianca, you know, we'll talk about that in a little bit, but I think that shows you that kind of thing that you might not get in a normal crowd that maybe can open up some things for the future. So totally on board with the PLEs. One other thing I wanted to talk about before we get to Raw and SmackDown real quick, a bit of news. Uh, and because, again, everybody's talking about the big rating Dynamite got with huge competition, and that's totally true. But what gets lost in the shuffle a little bit is that Raw and even NXT, they got well above, you know, well above average ratings that they gained after weeks of kind of going down since WrestleMania. You know, it was a slippery slope, and now they come back again. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the ratings? Is there a big particular reason? Maybe Backlash got a lot of pub because, I mean, I, I think everybody had a great reaction to that show, a lot of great publicity. Was it a title tournament, the night of the draft taking place? Uh, what, what do you think? What do you make of all of this good ratings, even with the great competition of the NBA playoffs and uh, the political stuff going on? I don't really know that much about it, but I know that they did something big uh, the other day. So there's a lot of competition, but they're still going up in the ratings lately. Yeah, I'll be honest with everyone right off the bat because you're going to get used to this with me. I don't care about ratings. Um, and when I say I don't care about ratings, I mean this specifically as – I'm not someone that needs to stare at them every single week and be like, oh, <laughs> AEW's doomed, or oh, Raw's in the gutter. Like, that's not something I do. It's not something I care for. I think a lot of people do that because it just creates conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, the way I look at ratings is, oh, they did good. That's good. Like, that's it. That's it. That's all yeah. I care about. If they did bad, you kind of look to see why, and you move on. Um, 
to me, obviously the ratings being good this week are great, and I do think it comes with the form of the tournaments um, on Raw, at least. And then NXT, couldn't tell you. I have no idea why. NXT <laughs> had a, well, NXT also had a tournament, too. They have the NXT Women's Tournament going on. They had Ilya Dragunov and uh, Dijak set. I think they also had Tyler Bate versus uh, Charlie Dempsey. So, like, there was actual wrestling that maybe – Fans would want to watch on there, but I can never explain NXT ratings, so uh, I, I, I'm not even going to try that one. Yeah, no, uh, nobody can. It's okay. But when it comes to Raw, yeah, I think I think the world title, excitement out of backlash, I think that all has a, has to play into it for sure. Um, that being said, I look forward to talking about Raw because I have I have thoughts about yeah. the new image of Raw compared to the new image of SmackDown. Yeah, uh, to me the ratings, I, I'm kind of like you where it's not like it affects me or I go crazy over them. I just thought it was interesting this particular week. Yeah. Uh, it was that, that well, things went They up. loaded up the shows yes. all around. AEW loaded up their show. True. Um, Raw and SmackDown loaded up their shows for the most part, right? Roman Reigns coming back, for example. Um, it, it, and I think, you know, I, I'm going to, I'll keep talking about the, industry heads here but like yeah. Meltzer made a good point you're, you're the whole reason they do this isn't to try to get a bigger number than usual it's trying to stay steady with all this competition of the NBA playoffs the NHL playoffs the politics right it that's the whole point um and it not only did it work this week but it boomed some bigger ratings in um as of late so ultimately it all paid off in the end absolutely uh, so, uh, with that said, you know, like I said, there wasn't a ton of, like, off-the-field the stuff with WWE this week. There's a lot more with AEW we'll get to, but let's get through these shows uh, here. Because, like you mentioned, the big story, I think, of both shows was clearly the tournament uh, going on, which, uh, if you haven't been following along too much, uh, they announced there'd be a new title. Uh, Roman Reigns, obviously, heading up to a nearly a 1,000 days as champion, uh, the Universal Championship. So, they created this new title. Uh, which is the world heavyweight title, uh, as they call it. And basically the format of the tournament is the stupid part of it was that SmackDown wrestlers are also <laughs> involved in the tournament. Uh, yes. But but they basically said, well, each show will have two triple threat matches, and whoever wins those will face off in the main event, which is exactly what, exactly what happened uh, overall. Uh, I, I'll save a little bit because the show on Raw actually started off with Cody, but I want to get save that until after the second tournament match uh, since his big angle happened after that. Uh, we'll talk about Cody on his own in a second. But the tournament itself uh, on Raw, the two matches that set up the main event were Seth Rollins versus Damian Priest versus Shinsuke Nakamura and Finn Balor versus Cody Rhodes versus The Miz. Uh, the two, of the two on cage match, the first match, which is the opening match with Nakamura, Priest, and Rollins, has a really high rating, 7.91 on there, and I actually definitely thought it was the better of the two triple threat matches. Uh, to me, I just want to really shout out, well, all of them did pretty good, but I really was have been impressed, uh, you know, going back to the Backlash show, <laughs> the build-up to it, and now on this match, I think Priest has really come into his own and is one of the, the highlights of the show, in my opinion. Uh, they gave him a little bit of promo time beforehand. He was the one that got the mic time. They gave him the, the big spot in the match, being the kind of heel in between the two baby faces. Uh, I thought the match was really good for a TV match. And, of course, Seth ended up getting the win uh, to get the win. So uh, what did you think of the tournament uh, and the format of it and what we saw in the, in the ring? 
Um, besides the SmackDown aspect, which is obviously mind-numbing, because oh, yeah. let, let's do a draft to decide a new champion for Raw, because Roman Reigns isn't around, because he'll be on SmackDown, just to include SmackDown, but... You you get my point. You get my you get my uh, problems with that. That being said, let's talk about the tournament and and the idea of the tournament, right? Um, and what it would go on to be. I like the format in terms of the triple threats into the finals. I thought it was kind of weird that they didn't save the finals for say the week after. Um, A.K. For Monday, for this upcoming Monday and this upcoming Friday. That being said, again, we talked about it with the ratings. Part of it's you know trying to keep people in for the end of the show. So I get, I get it. Um, and the beginning. Um, that being said, the matches to me it was all about Seth Rollins in this triple threat match. Like he he's at such a higher level than pretty much everyone in this company right now, and it's been that way for months. No matter how you feel about Seth Rollins, his the energy that he brings just when his music hits and the energy his matches carry, he is he feels as good as he was back when he first was WWE champion. I always thought that was the best he had been at the time uh, or best of his career, maybe at least in WWE. And this feels like he's back to that level. I thought he was also great um, in, like, 2018 when they gave him the IC. But there's something about this version of Rollins where it's like he not only needs to be the face of Raw moving forward along with Cody, of course, but he needs to win this belt. And that's kind of the entire focus I had on this match. The match was good. Absolutely the better of the triple threats, though I could have bet money that the match with Miz was going to be the worst of the two. Um, <laughs> no offense to the Miz. Uh, but I thought Priest looked good. I thought Shinsuke looked good as well. You know, Shinsuke kind of in this relaunch. I thought it was a little weird that he lost or got pinned, but it seems Damian Priest is the one getting elevated uh, just a little more now. So I get that. I do get that. Even though we, we can't act like uh, Damian Priest didn't just lose to a celebrity the night before uh, or two nights before. So. I'll, I'll, I'll leave that for discussion for another time, another show, another day. But that being said, this was the Seth freaking Rollins show. He showed out, and I thought this was a good start to the night. Yeah, I really like him right now uh, in the ring. I just think he's such a great athletic talent. I mean, he's had so many moments over the years of exceptional ring work. I remember when they were setting up that elimination chamber one year. Yeah. He was in the gauntlet for like 65 minutes or, or whatever that was yeah. uh, on Raw. Uh, that was one of the better Raw matches uh, of that year or whatever. Uh, he's doing great things now. I mean, when you're at this o- level of overness, you're got, you've got so much confidence in himself. Uh, it feels like he's bulletproof because, to be honest with you, I mean, I'm a big fan of his wrestling, you know, but his character, his promos, the laugh, I'm, I'm, I've got a little bit of a disconnect because I know everybody loves him, but that's just the one thing that's a little over the top for me. Uh, you know, I'm not a huge fan of his mic work all the time, but I mean, he's so confident, like he can say anything and the fans will get over singing the song. It's like, why not go a little uh, off the wall, off uh, the beaten path? Uh, for, for Nakamura, it's, he's in just a tough spot, uh, you know, coming in this, this part. I, I wish it had been someone else, to be honest, that had gotten pinned. Uh, he hasn't had a lot of great 
moments in a long time in WWE, but he's a guy that's very charismatic. No matter what he's doing, he'll always have the fans with him. So uh, I, I will say that outside of Miz, full offense attended, uh, intended towards Miz, who sucks, in my, in my opinion, in the ring. But uh, Nakamura, I think, did a good – it was a good match. I like you said, a great opener. And Seth advanced, too. So to me, that was my problem with the Raw side and why I kind of like the, the SmackDown side, even though I completely agree with what you said about the SmackDown side being stupid uh, just on paper. I liked their tournament better because it was more up in the air. And this one, I just felt like, oh, well, as soon as Seth won, I was like, there's no way one of the others could win. And in the other match, I mean, it was good to me. I don't really have a lot of thoughts on the match itself. It was fine. The main thing was the angle at the end where Brock came out and beat the hell out of Cody. Uh, that kind of yeah. gave, gave Finn the opening to win and set up the main yeah. event. Um mm-hmm. What did you think of how they handled uh, – because obviously at Backlash, the big story of that was Cody – uh, getting the pin on Brock, bloody mess with the turnbuckle thing. They started the show off with Cody having a promo and basically said Brock's behind me, which we you know basically all but guaranteed Brock was going to come out and attack him. Uh, how do you think they handled the Brock and Cody deal on Raw? In the backlash review that may never be heard, uh, <laughs> episode zero, yes, a wonderful episode, show. Episode zero, I said that exactly that was going to happen. Brock was going to cost Cody, and so. How did I feel about it? I felt that it was exactly what they needed to do. Match itself, um, I found pretty forgettable, all things considered. Uh, and truthfully, up until the main event, I found the show pretty forgettable. It was yeah. the first match of the night and uh, the Brock segment. And then to me, it was, all right, let's just get to the main event from here on out. And that was my problem with Raw overall. Cody g- going against Brock again, you kind of got that feeling right after that eh, so-so finish where he kind of just got lucky and kept Brock's shoulders down. Um, I hope this means, though, that this is the one match. I don't want a best of three. I don't think that really helps Cody. I think Cody getting a clean win at Night of Champions is the way to go, and I think that's how we should go, and then he can enter Money in the Bank, he can win Money in the Bank, and that's how he finally gets his final shot at Roman Reigns, because he should be the guy beating Roman Reigns. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, The thing is, I feel like so much has been said about the WrestleMania main event. It's like, it's, we all feel the same, that Cody not winning was a big mistake. Uh, I think, you know, like, it wasn't any kind of good thing. It's really, it's made a lot of storylines a lot, you know, more difficult to follow, at least in terms of being logical. That would have been better if he had just won, but we can't go back and change it, unfortunately. So your plan of him, because you know, in Money in the Bank, that's going to be one of those international shows. Now the fans are going to be rabid and going insane. If he gets that briefcase there, they are going to go crazy for this man. And he, and one thing I will say about him is I think his promo style is very good. He's like a prototype babyface that's so good. Uh, you know, he gets the fans behind him even though he's at a weird spot right now. I think he's done a great job on the mic. He's uh, the new John Cena. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can totally see that with the American motif even and the wrestling. You know, yeah, I can totally see that. That's a very good comparison overall. Uh, the other thing was that I wanted to get into, because like you said, this show was not a special show. 
at, at, at all. I think that they did a couple of things that were – it left room for them. But the main thing is I'll say uh, – well, before we get to that, I'll say one thing too. Uh, they basically set up – what do you think about Natalia being Ripley's first program? Because they did a squash match with Dana Brooke uh, versus Ripley, and Ripley beat her in like a minute. And then Natty walked out with the worst run-in ever. I guess <laughs> she slowly walked and watched as Dana continued to be in the prison lock for whatever reason. She just sauntered out, no real sense of urgency it, to help her, just walked it, out. It more feels like another Zelina defense for Rio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I obviously Natalia doesn't necessarily move the needle for anyone, but but I will say Natalia is someone that has wrestled in. Saudi Arabia, and I, I'm sure that takes part in this. Um, she, of course, wrestled in, I think the first match was with Lacey Evans, uh, the first women's match that happened there. So I'm sure that could be playing a part to this more than anything else. Um, and if that's the case, that's fine. I'm sure they'll have a fine match. But, listen, Natalia for me is like the Miz at this point. It's like, I don't care. I do not care. I'm sorry. Natalia, I think, is a better in-ring wrestler but at the same yeah. time I don't think she's been all that good since like 2016 <laughs> so uh that that kind of dates her and this overall but Rhea has been so um over and so great that it's hard to think that she can't at least make this work no matter what um it'll be interesting to see cuz uh I don't know. I don't think Natalia moves the needle for really anyone. Yeah, this is a filler program, uh, probably something to do with Saudi. The second straight filler program, mind you. Although the last one, I mean, because of the crowd. Like, because the, of the this, Puerto Rico thing, it worked, it, obviously. Yeah, exactly. This won't be nearly as good as that. <laughs> well, we haven't had a challenger that's even slightly convincible to beat Rhea yet since she's won the title. I know it's only been one show, Yeah, but this is now two challengers where you see them and you're like, oh. Right, sure. And the hard part is, I mean, look at this roster on the women's side. I mean, yeah, Raw, SmackDown got pretty much majority of the talent. Yeah, exactly. Like, they basically like, traded all the good talent from Raw to SmackDown in the draft, except for Becky. Right. Um, yeah, that's exactly what they did. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty insane. And the and SmackDown kept Charlotte, which I think is also funny. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, 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 you know, she's got to be on the the Fox show, the network show. I, yeah, I think, obviously she's never around, but. <laughs> yes, that's true. But I think that this show, it, it needs a plan going forward because they have people on the roster that maybe haven't gotten chances and some people that are talented. Here's but, the thing. Yeah. I thought the Raw roster was better after the draft because the men's side had a lot of work rate type guys, right? Yeah. They got yeah. Seth. They got Gunther. Oh, yeah. I mean, what? Do I even have to continue at that point? Yeah, like, the, yeah, yeah. you got the two like, best two They the best have guys. two of the best guys in this company. I thought SmackDown looked pretty weak in terms of looking at challengers for Roman specifically. Like, yes, the women's side on SmackDown obviously is so much better. But I thought Raw overall had the better roster, right? You had even, like, guys like Gable, guys like Cody, Drew McIntyre, Finn Balor. Like, you get the point. Like, they had pretty much all the work rate guys. So the fact that this show was so meh to kick us off is very upsetting. Um, I'm hoping, I'm hoping 
they could turn it around. Um, to me, like even looking at the NXT call-ups that they had, eh, like, I don't know. None of them necessarily push the needle. I think Zoe Stark will be someone really important for this women's division for sure, especially after, you know, how much it's weakened, but, I'm sorry. No one's clamoring for JD McDonough. At least I'm not. Maybe some people are. Um, I'm not. I'm not a big fan of his necessarily. Um, oh come on! Look at that big old head he's got. He's got a pimple. Yeah, I mean, body. listen. He's a he's a good wrestler, but he's on the work rate, Brad. So he's not yeah. going to stand out. And even he's, even that, he isn't the same wrestler he was like five years ago when he got most popular. And he's going to have a tough time on. Like when you look at the just his look alone. Uh, I think he's going to have a really hard time. Like, cause you just named all of these guys that are going to be a better of version of him is on the same brand. His name's Finn Balor. Yeah, the other Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, basically, I mean, they they look very alike, so I could say that. But like, Finn's everything that JD McDonough's not, and that's interesting. I will say this. I'm not his biggest fan. That's another thing you could look at at my entire history of my wrestling career. I'm never a big fan of the UK guys for the most part, like that, the indie era and all of that. But I think the character they had for him on NXT was like something different at least to be so like quiet and subdued instead yeah. of like a yelling. I thought that was sure. like a, some, somewhat interesting. Uh, he, but he, like I said, he's not going to be able to, to do something on this show. I don't feel like I, I was going to mention that because they had a bunch of matches with these new guys. The one thing I will say, it was pretty funny when, uh, Imperium was like just walking around the locker room just saying, uh, the, you know, the ring general Gunther will be on Raw next week. And they were just yelling to nobody. It was very funny. Uh, and then KO and Sammy, I don't, I didn't like how they used them though, because I think Kaiser and Vinci, Great wrestlers, like love their oh, talent yeah. so much. Like I said, they're, they're two of the good ones for for sure on yeah. the roster. Well, but then they just made them look like you know, like ah, we don't have time for you geeks. And then yeah, exactly. I totally agree. Yeah, so that was bad work on, on their part because this is a match to me that you could build. Like this is a yeah. feud you could build. Obviously, they well, have better plans for KO and Sammy. This is this is a WWE special though, in a lot of ways, right? Like. They'll kind of just have a match happen, and then, say, five months down the road, it'll mean a lot more, and you'll forget about this match happening on Monday Night Raw. So I'm totally with you, though. I get it. Um, that being said, I just looked through the Raw roster. The, yeah. they, the way they made these rosters up is actually very smart. In my opinion, SmackDown has a stronger women's side. Raw has a stronger men's side, and hopefully they can even out each show. Yeah. Um, but we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, but uh, I will say one thing you mentioned her. I thought Zoe Stark uh, was one of the better things they did on the show. They basically gave her a, a quick dominant win over yeah. Nikki Cross. Gave her a little bit yeah. of a promo. She looked good uh, coming out. She got good swag. I'm a big She's fan. She's a good wrestler. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of her. She was one of my favorite talents on NXT. Uh, I think she was a great decision to call up. I love her wrestling. Such a unique style uh, in terms of she's got the strike, she's got the power, she's got the high flying even. Uh, I just, I, everything she does is really smooth. I'm a big fan of Zoe Stark. I think that she has a great future. It's going to be a little bit tough because Ripley is the heel champion right now. They need to keep her kind of just, it's, it's going to be hard to see her being a major, major angle at this point, but they need to keep yeah. her kind of hanging, you know, hanging in there for a few months 
until they can get to something where she can have a bigger spot because I think she could right. definitely be a game changer for the women's division on Raw. Yeah. Uh, listen, I'm a realist. I know how WWE works. Their big match probably will be Ronda and Rhea. That being said, Zoe Stark would be a really good challenge for the pay-per-view after SummerSlam because I think yeah. that – that that that's how you build her up, kind of like Io was for Bianca after WrestleMania. Yep. I think that's kind of the direction you can go. So keep building her up because listen, Rhea is slowly just becoming a full-on babyface. True, as we watch, which is very funny because Dominic is not um, <laughs> yeah, together. But Rhea is very close to being a babyface, so I think that's the direction you can go. Um, and, and I'm happy you brought up Zoe because that that was like one of the very few other bright points from the show that. It had nothing to do with the tournament. Yeah, like that to me was the best part of the show besides the tournament, in my opinion. I mean, the Brock attack was very good uh, as well. I didn't yes, really mention yeah. it on, on top, but like just the, the visual of him with the scar on his head, uh, you like screaming in the camera like a wild man. It, it was really well done and set up a good match, a fight, as they said. Not for it. I want. I praised Cody earlier, but I need to give Brock his props too. When it comes to violence and just a physical attack, Brock's like one of the best. I feel like we have to credit Brock sometimes because I feel like everyone should just know he's Brock, like he's phenomenal. But now, like, he does his job better than majority of people. Like, I know he got a lot of hate for a long time just because he was the absentee champion, but, like, eh, you, you should be used to that now, folks. Like, Roman Reigns is an absentee champion. He wrestles just as much as Brock did back in the day. Um... I think Brock and Cody are going to put on an even better match in um, Saudi come the end of the month. And I think one of my big problems with Brock in the past was I just felt like all of his matches were very similar to each other just in terms of the layout and the things he was doing. Yeah. So kind of the same. I don't think that's necessarily true like this year. I think you look at his run, he's been on f- five straight shows. Like they said, yeah. you know, pretty much. So he's yeah. he's hanging around and doing different things. I mean, that match with Cody was, like, perfect for what it was, you know. At the end of the day, mm-hmm. it's like a setup. Like you said, I think the next one's going to be, like, a really, really strong match. But before we get into the main event and wrap up this Raw show, I have one major important question that the people need to know, Scott. They need to know it. Do you like Dominic? No. <laughs> Do you think Dominic no. is good in any way whatsoever? He's good at getting heat. That is he's true. Not, he's not all that good at the wrestling part, but listen, if you can get heat, you have a place in professional wrestling. That is true. Uh, on there, you know, he, he just 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 every time he walks out and just yep. gets on the mic, they can drown him. We saw I, that last week. He's really gotten better on the mic something that I didn't think he was going to be able to do, so I'll give him credit there. The in-ring stuff, that should be the stuff that comes to him. Like, that's literally what his dad was best at, but listen, that's asking for a lot to be even close to his dad. I'm just, But I'm just asking for, like, 50% of Rey Mysterio. That's all I'm asking for. We get, like, 10. Yeah, in the ring, I don't think he'll have... It's hard for me to believe he'll ever be a great worker by any stretch of the imagination. But I think he's like a useful piece to have on a roster. <laughs> like, not that yeah. he's great on his own, but you could do interesting things with him, with people surrounding him, because he's just such a, such an unlikable geek, <laughs> pretty much, that you get big heat with him, and you could transfer that to other people, although they did a very poor job of that in this show <laughs> with uh, the thing with Woods. Yeah. Uh, you know, but 
I just wanted to bring that up because he's one of the more controversial characters. I, I we're not big fans of him. I, there's no question he's not good at wrestling, but I think he's a useful character to have on the roster. I mean, he gets talked about more than nearly anybody on, on this show. Um, he fits his role, and that's what I'll give him. He fits his role well. He's yeah. the type of guy you could, I think, have challenge for like a mid card title against a ultra babyface, and it'll work out. Um, but he shouldn't be champion anytime soon. I or think, anything like that. Yeah, I think that he's a guy with a really limited shelf life, to be honest. Like, we're going to ride this out, and maybe he'll improve and do good things. But I think mm-hmm. once the stuff with Rhea ends, and now he's not going to be around Ray as much, I think I could see, you know, there being an expiration date on this without some changes in the future. But, I mean, he's got time. He's got time. So uh, what do you, you think of the main event of the show, the semifinal, Finn and Seth? Uh, they brought it up. They had they were in the finals for the original Universal title match at SummerSlam 2016. They called back to it. How did you think they did in the, in the match? I thought this was one of the best showings, if not the best, I've seen from Finn Balor in a very long time. Um, Finn Balor, he's an interesting case for me. Um, I used to love his NXT stuff. Loved his NXT stuff. His heel run was great. His match with Kyle O'Reilly, really, really great. Um, but a lot of his main roster stuff, and this isn't his fault necessarily, um, it's been hit or miss, but I think, I think his, he's found his best main roster in ring self through this Halo character. I just, I need to feel the reason to care because he loses all the time. Right, and I think that's part of his problem. Like I, I feel like any time he ever was on a pay per view or something, he lost. He even lost Edge at WrestleMania, a match he probably should have won. I understand why he didn't because the feud was about Edge finally getting redemption, but he probably should have won. Um, that's kind of my takeaway from it. Um, and this was one of his better matches. And like I said earlier, and I'll say it again. Seth Rollins is on another level for pretty much everyone in this company outside of maybe Cody Rhodes. Um, and I'm starting to feel a little shift. I think they're evening out now in terms of popularity thanks to that Roman Reigns loss for Cody, right? I think that's the case. And, and the most amazing thing about Seth is he got over while losing, like, every big match he had for, like, five pay-per-views straight. That's what happened. He just got he he got over organically. People started singing his song. He started acting a little kooky, a little crazy, and it just works, man. And in the ring, he's using that to his advantage. the The best part of this match is when he did the reverse stomp. He stomped Finn Balor's head into the mat, and then he hit the regular stomp to get the win. I thought that was great. Um, this was a really solid match for me. Probably the second best of the week on WWE television. To me, I basically agree with what you said, to be honest with you, about Finn for sure. I just don't think he's fine. Like, he's a totally acceptable heel, you know, character, a fine worker. Everything's about him's good. There's nothing wrong with him at all. But he doesn't really grasp my heart and my soul in, in any way. I think he's like feels like a guy who they've kind of leaned on him as the leader of the group. 
but I've never really felt he was at any point the most interesting person in it. In fact, I've always thought of him as kind of the least interesting person, whether we had obviously Priest with Bad Bunny was like an amazing match. Rhea has been the star of the group for the whole, you know, whole time pretty much since he joined. Dominic got super heat. Finn is just kind of like this guy who's solid, but not like, I don't consider him a special talent in, in like right now. And, no, I, no. And, I, and obviously he's done some good things in the past. Uh, Seth, I mean, like I said, I really enjoy watching him wrestle. Like you said, good point. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the gimmick or the character too much, but I do think he's smart at how he uses it during his matches. And my, uh, I want to say one thing. Uh, my grandma, my mama, she is the world's biggest Seth Rollins fan, for sure. Like, she loves him. Uh, we watch every week on Raw. Uh, and when he did that reverse curse stomp, as you said, she popped huge for it and acted like it was the most de- devastating thing ever. Uh, and obviously was very happy. So Seth, uh, he's doing everything. You, you can't criticize him too much because what he's doing is working and he's a great performer in the ring. It, it, here's why I love what Seth's doing. He, he, he wore one ugly, <laughs> ugly suit last year and people caught on. And then he wore another and another one. And another one to the point where it became his gimmick. And then he started to act a little kooky in the ring with his promos. And people got into it. And people got into it. And now he has probably the loudest reaction each and every show that he's on. Yep. That's um, it's, it's just the natural progression of a character. I don't think this was ever his intentions. It just naturally got here. And he feels like the hottest he's been. Oh, and yeah. in the ring, he's using that energy that the crowd gives him, and it's really exciting. So, And he's so – I mean, you want to talk about not his plan. I mean, remember, he was coming off the Messiah gimmick. And I mean yes, that – And I liked, the, I liked the original Messiah gimmick when he had a faction with him. Yeah, Once that, he lost the faction, I was yeah. like, all right, that's enough. Yeah, the faction was like a cool idea. I like, I liked what they kind of did. Uh, but with, you know, I liked his kind of darkish character and things like that. Uh, but yeah, he, he, but by the end, like you said, once the faction left, it really was going downhill and he was kind of floundering. But when they started, and, and the the, fa- yeah. And, and the, the Messiah thing died mostly because of the pandemic. Um, once the pandemic hit, it just didn't have that same energy because he was doing really good heel work, but, that's what he's done, right? He's taken that Messiah gimmick and he's taken pretty much all of his gimmicks yeah, <laughs> and yeah. made them into one. That's what his theme song literally is. It's both of his old, it's, it's his old theme song and the Messiah theme song put into one. And that's, that's, that's more over than maybe anyone on the roster itself. So like whatever he's doing, don't change it. That's, that's where I'm at. He should and he will be. The world heavyweight champion. I'm still, I, I'm still shocked they never ran back him and Roman. That being said, whatever, we move on. That's true, and that that was. I think if things had worked out differently uh, with the title, that basically changes everything. But that was a thread that was always hanging that he's the one that Roman never actually beat. But I'm like a you sucker said, for Shield stuff, so I'm actually upset they never ran it back. But that's fine. Especially the match they did where they literally had all the shield callbacks with him. We were coming oh, with it was so good. It was yeah. so good. And then they just didn't do anything with it. Ugh. Oh, Angry. yeah. 
Hey, listen, you're speaking facts right now. You need to get uh, angry because that was a dumb move, <laughs> to be honest, when they did that. I'm excited to talk about SmackDown, mostly because yeah. we just watched it, but also yeah. because I thought that show was pretty much all hits. And I don't know the last time I said that for a WWE show, uh TV show, I should say, because it felt fresh. Yeah. I agree with you. One thing I'll say before we get into the matches themselves is, like, you could tell this was a jam-packed show. I mean, when they were doing these tournament matches, I mean, like, most of these guys didn't even get hours. Yeah, yeah. They didn't even give these guys entrances throughout throughout most of the matches. Yeah, they did the uh, AEW trope. Yeah. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, I mean, this show had a lot going for it. I mean, and they kicked it off right away. I mean, Raw started with the promo for Cody. Here it started off with Edge's entrance. Uh, the, the two tournament matches on this show were Edge versus Rey Mysterio versus AJ Styles, and the other one was Sheamus, Bobby Lashley, and Theory. Can, and, can, can we just appreciate that first triple threat? Oh, just yeah. like the idea of that Edge, AJ Styles, and Rey Mysterio. Listen, WWE Hall of Fame is a sham. We all know that. Like they just <laughs> pick whoever they want. But that is three legitimate professional wrestling Hall of Famers going head to head to head. And the match itself, I, I'm going to say it right now, Dylan. Yeah, I thought that was the best WWE TV match of the year. Wow, TV match of the year in WWE for WWE. Okay. Um, AEW has one like every other week, so like not really fair. Um, but for them, and, and maybe it was the maybe, maybe it was the young heart in me, right? Kind of loving seeing three guys that I grew up on all in the ring at the same time, but I don't know. There was just, there was, there was, it was magic in the air almost like they had the one like little mess up at the end that (laughs) I was going to bring that up. That was, that was really unfortunate because I thought everything else was flawless. Um, but it didn't, for me, it didn't completely alter the match or ruin the match. It, it played to listen. These all, all three of these guys are 45 plus like it happens, you know, but, they had a mission, I felt like, to kick off the new era of SmackDown and show that they could all still go. I thought this was the best Edge match since his feud with Seth Rollins, maybe? Oh, yeah. This was a long time ago. That was 2021. I mm-hmm. also think this this was AJ Styles' best match since, oh, my God, I couldn't even tell you. I, I've been very down on AJ Styles the past few years. Maybe like the Brian, the Daniel Bryan match on SmackDown in a Shack in the Intercontinental Title Finals, which was in 2020. Yeah, I remember that match. Yeah, that's maybe like that's the last notable AJ Styles match I can think of. So that's probably it. Uh, Ray Mysterio has been great. He's been doing well. So like, I'm not gonna say anything about Ray. Ray's last great match was against. His son, so there you go. I I really thought this kicked off SmackDown in such a great way. I really did enjoy this match. Um, I don't know. Maybe it was, just to go back, maybe it was the kid in me a little bit, loving just seeing these three guys together. But I had a lot of fun. I love it, man. Uh, I I won't say it was the best match of the year. I definitely love it. Yeah, t- TV match for for WWE. WWE TV. Yeah. <laughs> we we gotta have our qualifiers right now, people uh, here. But no, um, I I like the match though. I definitely I have to look back. Truthfully, 
yeah, that, that's true. But I, I like the match. Like I said, they, they started off a little slow uh, or with the complicated stuff. Uh, I just not slow at all, but more complicated. And then by the end, like you said, the mess up on the the thing where he fell in his bag. It's supposed to be a spear. Things didn't quite go right, but it's fine. Uh, AJ uh, came in with the win. I was surprised that he pinned Edge actually uh, for it. I thought for sure Ray was going to take the fall, but I was mm-hmm. happy because this is another thing on our episode zero. I love the LWO. Uh, like that's like one of my legit favorite acts in the whole mm-hmm. company. I love all of them. I think Cruz del Toro is one of the absolute most underrated wrestlers and one of the best in the entire company. He never gets to show it, but that guy, Ronnie Mendoza, can wrestle. Like like he is a great, great talent. And all of them are, are really cool. I love how over they are. I mean, the merchandise sales are through the roof for them all. Ray is an amazing legend. AJ was again. He's another one I have a soft spot for, no matter what. He was another one of those, like I said, that era I talked about earlier when I was, you know, uh, trying to get into wrestling and stuff with Shelton and AJ on TNA. When I saw him, I thought, man, this guy is is another world character, and he had the run in Japan. was amazing. Lately, I think you want to talk about somebody that's, like, floundering. Him and the OC was, like, in a really tough spot for a while, not able to do much of anything. Him getting hurt. Yeah was a blessing in disguise. And you don't want anyone to ever get hurt, ever. But it allowed them to reset and allowed AJ to reset. Yeah, I agree with that. I think there's plenty of cases throughout the history of wrestling. Like you said, it's not like nobody wants to get injured, but it's not something that you can't make chicken salad out of chicken you-know-what out of. Even though I don't really like chicken salad, throw that crap in the trash. Give me a spicy chicken sandwich. That's what he's making out of this right now. He turned chicken crap into a spicy chicken sandwich. Uh, we don't need the chicken salad right now, uh, but he's doing it. He's doing good things, and, and I like this match, too, overall. So I, I was happy to see him get the win here. Um, the- I checked, by the way. It was my favorite TV match from WWE this year. Actual factual right now. Scott, bring in the statistics right now. Yeah, I, listen, I rate every match I watch. This is factual evidence, folks. Well, I ain't going to argue with you. I mean, I like the match, too. So it was good uh, overall. Like I said, three legends. Just like you said, there's something magical in the air. Hey, and it's in my home state of Tennessee as well. So it maybe it got, it got a Tennessee bonus a little while. Even though it's on the other side, people always get confused because, like, you know, I'm more near, near Memphis, and Knoxville's, like, way over on the other side. It's, like, a million miles away. But uh, regardless, the Tennessee bonus still in effect right now. What about the other match? Because I think, like, definitely the first one was uh, better than this one. I thought the first one was better, but I did think this was good. Um, this was better I, than that pay-per-view match, like the one on Backlash. Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. Yeah, yeah. Um, I thought Bobby Lashley and Sheamus were fantastic, and I think – you know, you and me talked about this last week again, forgotten episode. Um, how Austin Theory can kind of be the forgotten guy, and that's what they're purposely doing in these matches. Like, I'm not stupid. But, um, that being said, I thought he was good in this match. Um, you know, you know what I walked away thinking in this match? Austin Theory can be a really good work Rady wrestler, he's just got to figure out what he wants to be. That's what I came away from this. And I think that's a credit to the other two guys more than anything. Um, because, like, he did the uh, drop kick 
to them, like he, where he kicked both of their heads, and he got up to like Kevin Knight levels almost. Not Kevin Knight completely, because Kevin Knight's yeah. unbelievable. Oh, I love but he got up, he got up there, and I was like, well, shit, okay, all right, all right, Austin Theory, I see you, I see what you can do. Uh, he hit a you know good forearms and stuff like that. His finisher stinks, but oh yeah. It, like if you're gonna do the GTS, just do the GTS, dude. Like don't don't do the spinny, weird, ugly looking thing that doesn't look painful. Like that's just that's part of the problem. But that's kind of how I walked away from this match. I said, okay, Austin Theory can be good. They're just making him be something that I don't think he's ready to be. If that makes sense. <laughs> no, I agree. I'm just like I said. I got a nickname for Austin Theory. I call him Mister Average. Because everything about him is the epitome of, you know, two and a half star, five out of ten. Like, if nothing about him is bad, like, and his moves are proficient. It's not like he's out here just this horrible worker or anything. He's a, a, a fine performer when it comes to doing moves. But you mentioned his fi- finisher, the most lame and basic finisher ever. Like, no, no heat to it, no pop to it. Uh, his gear, I think, is so generic and like. Uh, I yeah, like putting like, up the pants. The pants were definitely better. The, the he was a out. better wrestler in Evolve. <laughs> yeah, like maybe bring back. Hey, we saw Gigi Dolan on Instagram say she missed being Priscilla Kelly. Maybe like, they need to put them back together. <laughs> like I thought he was a absolute bona fide prospect when I watched him in Evolve, and he's still a prospect. That's the thing. Yeah, he's he's not this. He's not this proven guy that they want him to be already, and I think that's a problem. Um, he's had so many starts and stops and start pushes, and I think that is part of the problem too. Um, we're getting there. Get him, get the pants back. Have him have him play up the point that he's like. I I like the idea that he kind of feels like he's almost like Randy Orton. In that, yeah, he's the guy that if you were to build a pro wrestler, that's what he would be. But he can't. He needs to do something more, and maybe maybe that's a feud with someone that's you know not John Cena. No offense to John Cena, because I love John Cena, but John Cena that match did nothing for Austin Theory, and I think it hurt Austin Theory more than anything. Despite Austin Theory winning, um, Austin Theory just needs a a real feud, I think, to really get the best out of him. Maybe with Sheamus. That's a great choice. Yeah. Because you, you're guaranteed to have some bangers. No no pun intended. Exactly. With Sheamus. She- Sheamus is going to hit you hard, and you're going to have to hit hard back. I think that's like a real thing Austin Theory needs. Kind of give him a little bit of credibility in the ring because he's mm-hmm. basically this Weasley heel, like his entire run in WWE so yeah. far, uh, the main roster. Give him a little bit more credibility. I like where you're going with that. But to me, I, in my opinion, I just see him and I see so many other guys. The thing he does has that you brought up is true, that he's got the youth on his side. Like yeah. somebody like, I mean, we saw, well, we saw him a little bit, but like Grayson Waller came in. To me, he is like Theory, but a better version of him. In pretty, pretty much, yeah. Right. <laughs> like, uh, but he's older than Theory. Exactly. Exactly. So I, th- I think yeah. he nailed that. You, yeah. Here's what Theory feels more like right now. Yeah. He can be a Randy Orton, but he feels more like a Miz. I would totally agree. I, that's a perfect description. Like, and I don't think Miz used to be bad. Bad. He's bad now. 
But like, <laughs> I think Miz was fine and acceptable. Like, he wasn't gonna give you a great match. He was an average. Like, all right, that was fine. Whatever. Um, I think that's probably his best comparison right now. But he's not even as good as promos as the Miz. No, no, I don't. <laughs> Which think is why I bring up the young Randy Orton thing because Randy Orton used to stink at promos. Yeah, he hasn't found his voice, and and a lot of times, you know, compared to. You know, I, okay, somebody on the other show, like MJF, I think they kind of want him to be that kind of heel. Mm-hmm. But obviously, MJF is so far advanced <laughs> compared to him on the promos, like yeah. the young heel, that the douchebag that everybody hates. But he's just not at that level yet. And I think he he's a guy that needs to, to kind of find himself a little bit. Like I said, to me, give him a makeover. I think he need, desperately needs better gear. Like you said, bring back the pants. Get some cool designs on him. Maybe change the hair around a little bit. Get a new oh, theme change song. the theme song for the love oh, of God. Oh yeah, uh, Eight Town Down, down. Is throw up. Yeah, yeah, Eight Town Down was popular. Like that's again when I started, like 2006. That's when Eight Town Down was at its peak. <laughs> like, like you know, like that. Like what are we doing here? It's 2023. That's yeah. not over anymore. Uh, yeah. You know, so I just I totally agree. The song's got to go. The finisher's got to go. There's a lot that needs to be changed, but I see where you're coming from, and I see what they want to see in him. And like you said, he used to be a good prospect on his own. He's still a prospect. I haven't been impressed with him a lot. Uh, but I thought in this match, I like you said, triple threat rules where he's not being a complete weasel. I mean, he tried to do that at the end, but I kind of liked how they did the finish here where Lashley basically turned around what he's done on him multiple times and other triple threats and stole the pin from him. I thought it was like a good way to 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 get to the final of the tournament. Oh my god, they they put over Bobby Lashley in this match better than I think they could have ever imagined because they did they did the usual thing of you know teasing the rollover pins, but Bobby had an answer for them, and I thought that was such a creative finish. And then Sheamus hitting him with the bro kicking, getting pushed out. I like the idea of Sheamus versus Theory. I like the idea of uh, not Lashley versus Theory. I've seen that enough. But yeah, I agree. Lashley's in a spot where I think he can be Roman's next challenger at Money in the Bank. I think that's where Lashley slots in. Like he was, he was so close to winning tonight, and I think that kind of feel, felt like almost the number one contender spot without it being a number one contender spot. If that makes sense, that's a match they haven't done, and I think it would be one that I want to see. That's another one of those threads that they kept hanging this whole time during this title reign. Mm-hmm. Remember when Lashley went to the crowd and grabbed the guys a title, like the replica belt, and yes. held it up? And then they immediately were like, ah, he's going to challenge them for the U.S. title next. And it's like, oh, man. Like, they just teased him and Roman. So I agree with you. I think he'd be a great challenger. I really am a big fan of his wrestling. Uh, I think he's got to – he carries he's himself. such a good worker now. Yeah, yeah, like – so athletic, great style, great power, menacing, like body charisma is really strong. Uh, his promos aren't super great. Uh, there was one a couple of weeks ago with Theory that I thought kind of sucked, <laughs> actually. But yeah, he, he's hit or miss, mostly miss. But if you keep it short with him, it's okay. Yeah, I agree with that. Like, if you give him just a, a little bit to say, he could get a lot out of it. Like I said, he's got so charismatic, like, body-wise, just the looks he gives are great. I, I'm a huge fan of his, so I'd love to see that match. And, you know, speaking of Roman, what did you think about what they did tonight with him? I mean, they basically brought him out, 
And this whole segment he had with the Usos and Solo where it was, you know, he was bragging about how great Solo was and how he's the one that solved all the problems. And he basically just said he called out the Usos for losing at WrestleMania. He called them out for dedicating the match to him. And I loved how they brought up. uh, He was like, I'm not a tag wrestler. One of the best tag teams of all time is in my family. And you dedicated to me instead. And I thought, like, that was, like, a great thing uh, to bring back the Wild Samoans up, like, here and using it. He basically threatened Jimmy. Uh, Jimmy was laughing, which – remember on Backlash, he was doing that after the match when they were feuding mm. Solo and Jade. He was, like, busting out laughing. I was like, well, this is super random. And he did it again, and Roman got pissed. But then Jade jumped in and was like, hey, we're sorry. We're sorry, okay? Like, please give us a chance to – please, we'll win the titles match. Don't, don't worry. And then Roman was like, yeah – the titles are coming to the bloodline, all right, when KO and Sammy face me and Solo, and they set that up, which is a very – a little bit of a swerve for Saudi there. Yeah, it's a swerve because Sammy Zayn's on the show more than it's a swerve of the actual tag match to me um, because obviously Sammy Zayn hasn't been allowed on Saudi shows. Um, that being said, the segment itself felt like the – uh-oh, uh, we need, we need to get the bloodline seg, uh, story back on track. Uh, we need to do something. That's what it felt like. And I, I understand why Sammy and Kevin are still involved because of the tag team champions. But I kind of wish they weren't. Um, cause I feel like that story's past now, right? Like, I felt like the season finale was at WrestleMania. And and now instead, or the series finale, I should say. Instead, it was a season finale. We're getting another season. It's one season too many. You know, we've all seen a TV show like that. Every single one of us, where there's just one season too many. I think that's what we're doing right here. Um, I think to me, the answer would be. To have the Usos either cost Roman and Solo, or, I don't know, there's just something, there's something that needs to make sense here. You you know what's crazy, though? This story has built itself to almost make it seem like Jey Uso should be the one beating Roman Reigns. (laughs) And that is... uh, that is something I felt long ago when Jay first had those matches with Roman and was kind of bullied by Roman. But it's very clear Cody should be that guy. But at the same time, what is the payoff for Jay Uso? What is what is the payoff for him in the end of all this? Because they keep playing to the head games that he's experienced, right? While you said Jimmy was there laughing because he didn't really have to go through that trauma, Jay was silent, shut, almost turning away and scared. And I thought that was great. What, the one thing Jey Uso is really good at that I think he's better than, at than everyone really in this company is showing that like actual emotion inside in terms of like acting essentially. Like I think he's better than Roman at that stuff. And I think Roman's pretty good at that stuff. Um, I, I just, I don't know what the payoff is. I think saw the, the Knight of Champions card on paper with the first three matches looks fantastic. Um, but I, I don't know where this goes. Um, obviously, it's like, oh, Roman has four belts, and I think that's kind of funny just to think about, and it's, it almost feels probable in a lot of ways. But 
I don't I don't know. I just I just don't know. It feels like this bloodline angle is taking another step rather than getting to the finish line, and I just want this to get to the finish line one way or the other. First of all, I one thousand percent agree with you on Jay. Uh I've always thought that this guy is so talented, not just as an in-ring guy, but like you said, as an actor, he really can play his character so well and get across story beats in all kinds of scenarios he's been in, whether it's been with Roman, whether it was with Sammy. I mean, he's played so many different roles and characters in just in the storyline and done such a great job. He really deserves his flowers. I think that uh, they also have a really – interesting dynamic with him and Roman, kind of what you brought it up. I mean, if you really look at this storyline, this Roman Reigns has gaslighted this guy for years now, literally, and they've gone through so many different things and different parts of it, mental mind games and mental turmoil. And even in this segment, when he announced that he said, it'll be me and Solo going for the title, they cut right to Jay and he like had this dramatic turnaround that was so good. Like, I was so impressed by him. As for the match, I actually think it's really interesting. I wasn't expecting this, to be honest. I'd like to have the tag match with Roman in it. But I think it's a great twist. What you said is exactly what I thought of at first, though, that the Usos will run in and try and save the match and then accidentally nail Roman or maybe Solo and give KO and Sammy the win. And I hope so. I I think that that ending of WrestleMania Night 1 was such an amazing thing like an amazing moment one that a lot of fans i don't think will ever forget especially if they were there or watching live they have not followed up on that at all effectively i think they feel so much colder without this and i wish that they would do something to get them to the level they should be at because i think as baby faces they're such amazing performers we saw how over they both can be as a tag team or singles but i think they've really dropped the ball and i hope that after this match ends this really is the end of all of this and they can move into something very featured very highlighted i know it's a lot to ask like you said as a realist fan you know that the tag team scene is never going to be something they really put at that top tier level like maybe i want it to be <laughs> but they, if there is one team that deserves it, it's them where they go with the bloodline, I'm with you. I'm ready for this whole deal to end, like this bloodline thing. It's not that interesting to me at this point other than the performance aspect of it because I think they're all really talented guys. Even Solo, I think, is completely awesome in his role. I think he's been a great call-up ever since he came from NXT. Uh, both the Usos great, Roman obviously doing his thing. But I'm ready for a new chapter in all of these guys' career. I don't know if they'll actually go all the way with Jay, because like you said, Cody's right there. But I think that they have some options. We've been there before with Roman, like, you know, heading into WrestleMania. We talked about the options with Sammy and Cody. We'll see what decision they make. But I thought this segment was so good and effective and set up a match that I'm pretty interested in, even though we'll see what happens with it. But I I think it's an interesting match, at least. Um yeah, the only thing uh, before the main event there, too, they did a, a thing where uh, they kind of teased to the Usos. Uh, they had a meeting with LWO uh, backstage, so that might be a match. I'm all for it. Again, LWO um, needs some fins, people. It'll right? be Ray and Escobar versus the Usos next week, which would be really good. Oh, that match would be great. Yeah, I'm, I'm already looking forward to that. LWO needs wins, people. Like, all they've done is lose. 
Uh, like, we need to give these guys some some props here. Uh, they did a tag title match for the women. Well, you know, Bailey cut a promo earlier on the show where they – she basically cut this, like, sideways promo where she basically said, well, it's my fault we lost because I pushed EO before she was ready. When on the show, it was basically like Bailey kind of cost EO the match when she pulled the – uh, Bianca's right. So they're already kind of moving. What we talked about on uh, this myst- mysterious show <laughs> that, that we had, uh, we you know EO proved on that backlash show that she could be that girl. You know, like that woman, yeah. the the top baby face, or at least the number two baby face. Uh, obviously, the wrestling's there, but she has the groundswell support. I think that the because let's be honest, Scott, damage control on Raw was kind of a flop, like, overall, you know, like, when I remember when that faction first came in, it was amazing, you know, everybody was hyped for it, and it's like, Bailey lost a bunch of times to Bianca, they did some weird back and forth, remember that weird time Aaliyah and and Raquel won the tag titles over them? How could I forget? Yeah, exactly, like, everything got messed up, things didn't work out that well, but I actually also think, I actually don't think Dakota and Io worked that well as a team. To be honest, I don't think they fit together personally. I actually think Dakota and Bailey are much better partners with each other, and EO is a singles. EO is no matter what group EO is in, she's going to be the best wrestler. You know, like let's just be honest. So I want to see her more in singles. They kind of went along with it. They lost here, but I hope that they can do more with EO. Uh, Damage Control is in a tough spot right now on SmackDown, but I think they'll always at least have Bailey in some form or fashion. Yeah, they're continuing the story. That's what they use this match for that they're not on the same page, and I think that's fine. Um, the match itself was rather forgettable. Um, I guess the one noteworthy part besides, obviously, the, you know, distraction roll-up win because EO got sent away from Raquel was that the NXT Women's Champions, uh, Alba Fire and uh, Isla Dawn were watching along, so I'm kind of starting to think they may be combining all these titles. Yeah, I totally had that same feeling. Like, they're they're running through all these title defenses. They got another one coming up on Raw against Chelsea and Sonya Deville. Uh, so that's like they're running through these title defenses. Maybe they're going to build up to a big match for both tag titles. I think it's fine, to be honest. Uh, you know, the women's title, tag titles were originally set as being able to go to NXT anyway. So yeah. if they just go back to that, I mean, I, I don't have a big problem with that. Uh, do you? What do you think of the uh, Alba Fire and Isla Dawn, though? There are prospects coming up. Um, wait and see. I think I think that's kind of how I feel about them because I know Alba Fire is a great wrestler, and I think Isla Dawn's a very good character worker. But it's going to be wait and see for now, just because I don't I don't know what. Their full-on gimmick's going to be now that they're on the main roster. I don't know if they're going to be as spooky as they were on NXT. I personally consider that a great decision. <laughs> if that, yes, I know, I agree. I just, yeah. I'm wondering. I, I, I'm waiting and seeing to see what their characters are ultimately. Yeah, I agree with that, but I agree with you. Uh, Fire, great wrestler, uh, one of the better talents of the women, especially at NXT. Uh, she totally deserves this run. Uh, Isla is more uh, like a, a newer comer. She was in UK for a while when that was still a thing, which is uh, you know 
it's one of those things that nobody knows if it ever really existed or not. But, uh, you know, it's something we've heard about. Uh, my only thread to know that it was Rio was that, was that Sonomura was there <laughs> uh, overall. But she was big there, and then she came to NXT, and they actually feuded at first before they became a team. Like you said, Fire's more of the worker, and Isla's more of an over-the-top character. I think that the main roster could be good for her away from Shawn Michaels' wrestling uh, booking at times because I think they lean too much into over-the-top. But I think that they're a pretty good team. You know, like, they fit together really well. They've got cool moves, two double teams. I like that. They feel like a real team. That was one of the things we didn't even mention on Raw. They have uh, Chance and Carter coming up from NXT. Uh, I'm not a big fan of theirs, actually, but I am a fan that they're actually bringing up actual tag teams for the division. Mm. Like, it feels like they're trying to at least reload the division for now. History tells us that it may not go on forever and be super successful, but I like the attempt, at least, in the draft to bring up new teams, and they're doing something with them here with Dawn and, and Fire. Yep, yep, I'll agree there. Um, then we had the setup for the singles title. Basically, Bianca came out. They had all of the UT stuff, like orange and white, everything. I mean, I don't know about you. The orange of UT is ugly. I, I'm not a big fan of, of the orange, the dream stick of colors. But, you know, I'm from Memphis, so I guess I'm a little biased <laughs> overall. But uh, basically, this all set up. She was going to come out and do her thing, but Asuka interrupted, gave her the mist, and laughed about it. And so this was like the closest to a real heel turn for Asuka. What did you make of this and where they're going? Asuka needs to win if this is what we're going to do. Yeah. I, that's, I took, that's my takeaway. That is the only takeaway I have. If we're going to, if we're going to have Asuka play heel, which is fine, she needs to win the belt. What they need to me even more is to let this girl talk again. Because I think she's lost so much ever since they stopped having her cut promos. She was one of the most charismatic, even in Japanese, like anything she said. Nobody needed to understand what she said to pop huge every city she went. And I think ever since they went, the face paint and the look is great. Like, I love the change. That's awesome. But there's no depth to it at all. It's like she yeah. – like there was no change really in her. Now we're going to a more of a straight heel. But that's kind of what they did. Remember when Kabuki Warriors turned heel on yes. uh, Paige? It's like – she is so over that they're going to have a really hard time, I think, getting fans to boo her no matter what she does. Well, that's why they did it in Tennessee. Yeah, <laughs> yes, exactly. They, they needed Bianca to have the hometown role here. That's a good point on your part. Um, we'll see where they go. Like you said, hopefully she does get to win. Asuka is like my favorite person on any roster, basically. Uh, I said it. I was wearing it on the other show, uh, but – I don't have a lot of wrestling merch myself that I bought. I've never bought any, really. But my family knows that I love Japanese wrestling, and Asuka's, like, the, the one that they love the most, pretty much. So I've got, like, five Kabuki Warriors or Asuka shirts. So if she gets the title all for it, though, Bianca is, like, one of the best talents as well. I have nothing against Bianca at all. I thought she was fantastic in the Puerto Rico match, even though the fans kind of, you know, sided with EO clearly over her. Uh, I love them both. And I like their match at WrestleMania. I know I'm probably in the minority. I'm about to make a hot take here, Scott. I like their match more than Rhea and Charlotte. No, I thought it was better, too. Ah, see, look at that. We're on the same page. I, I thought right? the match had better flow to it, if I should say. Like, the second half of Rhea and Charlotte was better than 
like any of the Oscar um Oscar Bianca match, but the first half was just so boring of that match that it evened it out, if not had me favor the more consistent match from start to finish, which was Bianca and Asuka. I totally agree. Like, that's exactly how I feel about that match, too. So, uh, like, you know, look, looks like we're on the same page, people. Yeah. Like, that's what you're getting on this show. Uh, one more thing before the main event, we wrap up SmackDown. Uh, we mentioned him earlier a little bit. They teased Grayson Waller. He came into the office with Pierce, and they did a segment where he's going to interview the winner of the tournament, which turns out to be AJ, uh, next week. What do you think about Waller's prospect and what they're doing giving him an interview segment with AJ right away next week? Um, he's going to be a star on the show. No doubt about it. I have no doubts. He'll be he'll be one of the top heels. Um, he'll probably get a program with AJ after Night of Champions, if I had to guess. If not, like that's the, that's what I would do with Waller. He's a he's a good character. He's he's exactly what they like to have. Um, you know, he can he can wrestle in the ring. He's not like one of the top top workers, but he's good enough, and he's such a good. He has a lot of charisma, and I think that'll yeah. do a lot for him. Like he felt natural instantly on the main roster. Yeah, totally agree. Um, good look, uh, really good promo. We saw what he could do. I thought he was actually the better guy in his match versus Gargano. Uh, the the brawl they had. Uh, yeah, he did a lot of the big. Stuff so that makes sense. Yeah, and it was he was kind of like the glue of the match, charisma wise and stuff. Took a beating, knows how to bump. Him and AJ have history too. I remember they had their match uh, a few years ago when yeah. AJ went to the NXT. So I think this is like a great decision to put them together. I totally agree. I really I like his his odds. Out of all of the call ups, he's the one that I I think has the best chance. Even though yeah. I, I really like Zoe, we talked it, about her on Raw, but. Yeah, and that's why they purposely had him picked last because they're going to use that as part of his character, um, not because he was like, oh, he's just the last guy called up from NXT. No, that's that's an on purpose thing. But uh, I'm ready for the main event. Talk to me, Lashley and AJ Styles. Uh, I thought that, personally, I thought this was like a really good match uh, overall. These two had surprisingly good chemistry. Uh, I thought, hey, 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 these are two former TNA world champions. Why are you, why are we shocked here? Oh, that's true. We can't, we cannot disrespect the legacy of TNA. I right know. Now. I know. Um, no, this was, this was definitely good. Um, it, uh, it was a good continuation from earlier in the night. Um, that's what it really felt like. It felt like they just picked up from their matches earlier in the night rather than started a new match, if that makes sense. And I think that's why it worked well. I'm, I, the moment that I saw these brackets, I was like, I wonder if Triple H is going to fully embrace the work rate mindset, like he kind of said with the belt, and go with, like, fan favorites, and he did exactly what I expected, and that was go with Seth versus AJ. That's that's about as big as it gets, and this will be the second time ever it happens um, for a title, so that should be fun. Absolutely. Uh, their match before was really good uh, a few years ago. There's right around this time, too, after Seth had won uh, the title at WrestleMania. And they did a lot of good things with him. Uh, I think that this is a great decision because I thought that Lashley was going to win, actually. 
And to see AJ do it, I thought it really gives him something he's needed desperately because not only has he not done anything like special in terms of a fan service or work rate or whatever, but he just hasn't done anything. <laughs> you know, it's like yeah, he was he's... stuck in that never ending feud with Judgment Day. He never got any titles, no big wins. Then now he got that hurt. They, yeah, then he got hurt. So it's like give him a little bit of credibility here. I think they're on the right track, and Lashley could easily recover from this. I mean, you know, he'll be fine. Uh, overall, so I think that this is a great decision. AJ and Seth, that's a great match to have. Like you said, uh, Trips embracing the work rate philosophy. Uh, overall, I thought that the SmackDown tournament was better than the Raw side, yeah. and the show was better in, in general. Yeah, so one hundred percent. Yeah, um, but yeah, I, I thought I thought Raw was not bad. It, even though it, they're always going to be a struggle with the, the three hours, and that's why the stuff in the middle all felt kind of boring. Yeah, but there are threads I think of hope with you know Gunther coming in next week. Zoe could have a good push. I, I like what they did on there. Yeah, but what do you say we get to AEW? Yeah, let's do it. Let's uh, let's get to the the all elite wrestling side of things. I think um, after an hour and a half, I think the people are ready. Absolutely. We covered both Raw and SmackDown. Well, only one show with Dynamite, so it may be a little shorter for now. We'll see how things play out in future weeks. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're, when uh, when Collision is alive and well, I'm not going to hide it. We know what's happening. Uh, when, yeah. Collision, <laughs> when Collision's alive and well, I think we'll obviously not focus as long on the Raw and SmackDown, like every little thing, because, you know, wow, that, four, shows, a- four shows to talk about. Must plus sometimes we'll have to preview and news. Uh, you know, I know no one wants to sit here and listen to a four hour podcast. Um, so we'll, you know, we'll figure that out as a lot on the way, but this is episode one. So, uh, you're, you're going to get the, the little bits of everything, especially because, you know, this week, Ron Smackdown actually had like stuff throughout the show that mattered, which is a unique trend that I would be, wouldn't be a bad thing if they continued. Yeah, I wouldn't expect that to happen every week, to no. be honest. But like, I expect our raw conversations sometimes to maybe last like fifteen minutes tops. <laughs> right? It's just like I that's, see that. that's just how WWE TV sometimes works, and that's fine. And that's not a shot at them, but as a as a company that just produces so much content, it's not always essential, right? And. uh for now, we'll wait and see, but let's let's get into AEW. AEW had one of their biggest shows of the year this week. So much going on there, too, uh, with AEW right now. Uh, you mentioned a collision on the way. Uh, keep your eyes peeled, everybody, uh, for the upfronts next week for Warner Brothers Discovery. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge, lots getting announced. Yes, exactly. There's all kinds of rumors. Will it be a new contract for the TV Collision, we all know is coming. I think we're pretty sure on there. We can be safe to say on that next month. And the return of one of your favorite wrestlers of all time, CM Punk, is heavily, heavily rumored. People probably heard that, and they're like, yeah, I'm not listening to this guy. Um, but I said Kenny first. So, like, you know I'm not picking sides here. Well, the good news is that I hate CM Punk, so I'd give you a two-piece if you said that to my face. No, I'm, well, no, I'm just kidding. Well, if it helps, CM Punk... Um, when it, when it comes to the wrestling side of things, CM Punk's really good at that, and that's what I care about the most. So, 
Uh, he's definitely got the star power on his side, considering he has the show built around him as well. Um, let me just ask you, uh, you know, we'll save the collision talk until it's officially announced, yeah. uh, so to speak, and everything. So we, we can go or we'll, yeah, we'll so next jump. week we'll talk. About yeah. It. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll shove on that. The one thing I will say, well, I have a couple of minor things, but the big thing I'll say before we get to the show itself, Wembley Stadium, all in. 62,000 sold currently at nearly allegedly $8 million gate. If tickets surpass the 74,000 mark, maybe I they'll add. I hit 65. Maybe that was me misreading. Yeah. Okay. Like I said, even all the way, like I said, maybe update breaking news, folks. <laughs> if, <laughs> if they didn't hit 65, they will. They will. Yes, exactly. Either way, <laughs> I, I personally, all I wanted to say about this is I predicted from day one that this would sell as many seats as they sold. Like I predicted a sellout for it, and I definitely think they're, they'll surpass the mark. Uh, that they listed, which was like seventy four thousand to change, I think. I I'm very confident that they will sell this out. I think it's a great news for the wrestling business, AEW, and it it's shows great for the card to be made. Yeah, without a card, without a match announced for this, right. uh, man, I I can't wait to see it. So I, I just wanted so to say. What's that. your question? Uh, what uh, do you think that they'll make the seventy four thousand? Do you think they'll surpass it? And um, good question. I think, I think they can. I think they will. I think it'll take a card to get there, a good card to get there, and I am hopeful that they do have a good card. So yeah, I think, I think if they don't hit that, they'll hit like right around that number. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I I agree with that. Uh, two minor notes I just want to bring up. Um, All access had its finale post dynamite. Did you watch any of the show? I have not watched a single episode of All Access. I have not watched a single clip of All Access. Well, I'll tell you that there wasn't a lot of access in All Access. It was a a very traditional, like, reality show. They had, like, some, you know, pre-planned grudges and stuff they kind of went in on uh, at certain points. Uh, It kind of made – like, I'm not going to say people look bad. Like, Sammy and Ty looked a lot better on the show than they do on Dynamite. But they didn't even do anything with Dynamite with them, so it doesn't matter that much, like, kind of. Uh, Adam Cole was nice, too. It was fine. It wasn't anything you need to see. But more importantly for me, and I'll tell you why it's more importantly, the end of an era, Scott. The end of AEW Dark and Dark Elevation. Rest in peace. It's the right choice. (laughs) It was the time. Here's the thing, folks. Ring of Honor serves the same purpose now. That's And Ring of Honor can give them more time to do stuff rather than five-minute matches. Not even five minutes, like three-minute matches. Um, I always thought they needed to get rid of at least one version of Dark. Um, because, listen, Dark played an important role. We've got a lot of wrestlers into this company. That's not to say that it wasn't important. I just think that with Dark plus Ring of with Dark Dark Elevation and Ring of Honor, uh, a lot of it was serving the same same purpose and almost in a lazy form. So the best case scenario was getting rid of one. Getting rid of both is tough, but it gives Ring of Honor a chance to I think be a little more special now. I agree. That's one positive. And I Rampage gotta- is still there. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, well, we'll see what happens with Rampage, the bright future that it's on right now. But 
I'll be honest. I don't care about this very much personally. The only reason why it's important, and it's something I think we all need to say right now, I think it's something that should be said every time AEW's talked about, period. AEW, yes, they gave a place for many wrestlers. They got chances, but most importantly, Emi Sakura got to wrestle there often, and we all need more Emi Sakura in our lives. That's true. That's true. That's very true. So we move on to AEW Dynamite here, where they started off the show right away. When you mentioned Ring of Honor, and that they bring in some Ring of Honor stuff here. Claudio Castagnoli versus Ray Phoenix, uh, champion versus champion match in, in Ring of Honor, the tag champ versus the world. Uh, this has an 8.12 rating. The fans on Cage Match go uh, really love Dynamite most weeks. Um, or not just in terms of like high ratings, but in terms of number of votes. A lot of fans vote on them, uh, so that's always very impressive. But this had a high rating. What did you think of, of Phoenix and Castagnoli? I thought it was one hell of a start to this show. Exactly what should have started this show. Um, it highlighted what I think is best about Ray Phoenix. Listen, I, for the longest time, have thought Ray Phoenix is the best luchador in the world. Um, I know Vikingo has kind of taken a lot of the luchador spotlight, at least here in America. Um, I think Mystico still has a claim to that throne as well. I think... Um, Commander's taken a lot of spotlight, of course, recently. But, I mean, Phoenix still, to me, does things better than most, and that's because he 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 does crazy crap, right? Like, when I say crap, I mean, like, respectfully, like, crazy shit, like, unbelievable, jaw-dropping things. But he also, I feel like, doesn't have the same matches. And I think that's something that someone like a young Vikingo will soon have to learn, like a a match structure that isn't, you know, just the big spots. And I think it really worked with Claudio here because Claudio obviously is, you know, one of the very best. So they just worked off one another fantastic. Uh, uh, my one complaint about this match is that I think they should have probably announced when the tag match was going to happen to promote Ring of Honor. Isn't it weird how, like, lame they are about promoting stuff on Dynamite, whether it's Ring of Honor, where they had the impact, you know, stuff going on when Omega was the champion. It's like all they need to do is say something about it, and they cho- right. it seems like they choose not to for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, I agree with you. I'm looking forward to that tag match, too. Uh, you know, you have to think that Claudio picked Yuta yeah. as his partner. And that should be a banger overall. Uh, Phoenix is a tremendous, tremendous luchador. And uh, anytime you get to see him, it's really good. Um, the the thing that they said here, I will say this, we'll kind of come – because there's a couple of show-long storylines we saw multiple segments of, so we'll just kind of run through them all real quick. Um, the first one was people co- going into Tony Khan's office uh, that we haven't seen mm-hmm. in forever. Most importantly, the Nashville Preds fan – that we all love the most. Miro is back, and I popped for this so hard when I was watching. <laughs> you know, there's certain moments where I'll be watching uh, Ken, my great-grandpa, Mamo might be over here sometimes, but there are some times I, I get really excited. I just got to stand up for a second. <laughs> and when Miro walked in, that was my moment on the show. I mean, we'll talk about the main event and stuff later, <laughs> but when he came in, it was great. They did a similar thing for Thunder Rosa where she uh, walked in. 
what do, what do you think that they're going to do with this? Because I think we all kind of have a good idea. Um, are you are you ready for my hot take? Give it to me, Scott. I do not care about Miro whatsoever. I'm not gonna give you a four piece right now. <laughs> you've you've upgraded from the two piece <laughs> Bo, Bojangle style, right? I I'm to give you. I've never understood why so many people like him, and I never will, and that's okay. Um, to me, like when I saw him show up, I was like, "Oh, good, they he stopped being a pouty one," you know, reportedly, reportedly. Um, and then when Thunder Rosa showed up, I was like, "Oh, we're we're doing something important here." I see. Um, we're we're not just bringing back wrestlers; we're bringing back. Uh, What's the word? What's the word? Wrestlers that have had a, a reported baggage. Oh, right? Yeah. Reported baggage. I'm not going to say they actually have baggage. I think Thunder Rosa's great. I like Thunder Rosa. Um, yeah, she's good. I like Thunder Rosa, too. I think she, you know, there was a time where there was – her title reign stunk. Um, that's just the truth. I don't – and yeah. the way it ended stunk, but – I think there was a time where Thunder Rosa was really popular and I enjoyed her and I hope she can get back to that. And with Miro, the same thing, you know, the Redeemer was really cool when he was champion. Um, God's favorite champion. I thought that was really good. So yeah, that was awesome. It does feel like they're starting to hint towards that baggage situation. And I think that's very interesting. Um, not baggage, but like, I can't think of the word. It's just not coming to me, but um, no, controversial, I, yeah, let's say. And I think that's very exciting, right? No matter my feelings on Miro necessarily, um, I think bringing them back kind of back-to-back in the same fashion while Tony Khan then after, with, with the idea that this has to do with it, then has an, says, oh, I'll have an announcement next week. I think that is a great way to kind of pitch this. Some people aren't going to be happy about it. That's just the truth. Listen, these yeah. two shows, these two AEW shows, they're going to be debated and talked about in various ways for the foreseeable future, and we just got to get used to it. Um, that being said, I like it. Yeah, I think it's cool. I think it's an interesting way to bring people back. Because so often we'll just see something will happen and then just somebody somebody's music will hit and they just come out to make this return. And maybe they'll save it for next week. But this at least was logical. Like, this is what you would do in real life. Try to get a meeting with the boss to, to work out whatever issues you have, you know, in, in a real situation like this. So I liked it. I think it's great. I think both of them upgrade the roster. I mean, the roster is so big. That's a big problem with AEW. I mean, we, we've seen all the talk about Jay White, you know, how he hasn't been able to do a lot. But if you just look at the roster, it's so amazing up and down. Like, there's so many people that you're going to have to come in that a guy like Miro, as much as I'm a huge fan of his, you could get lost in the shuffle. And I think you have to, to have a plan with some of these guys. Uh, before they can find their footing. But I'm going to give you two questions coming out of this before we move on, uh, Scott. I need to know your answers on this. First of all, if these two problematic, controversial, whatever, uh, baggage, they're back. They are allowed back for whatever reason. What does this say about Andrade? Oh, he'll be back 100%. 
Okay. Yeah, you, you're seeing Andrade back. Uh, okay. There's, there is a – I think he'll be back. I um, I hope so. There's just some – listen, this is wrestling. <laughs> Things happen. I just I look at the – I'm very confident he'll be back. Just look at the top star of that show <laughs> that, that uh, you know, may be coming back as well and all of his baggage. People uh, you know, don't nobody... like to hear this. Controversy creates cash. That that has been said before, absolutely. It's been proven true. I mean, look at again, look at the top star coming in. I mean, say what you want about him. That guy seems to get talked about an awful lot, despite not appearing on TV in months and months. You know, it seems like people like talking about these kind of guys. But okay, so you see, Andrade's coming back. That's cool. I like that. I wish Roosh would get a push more, but whatever. That's hey, you and me both. That's neither here nor there. But Roosh not being the pain in the butt is always funny. That's he has, he has like the idea that he's the pain in the butt. Well, Andrade is actually usually the pain in the butt. But anyway, yeah, yeah, yeah. He was in Mexico, but for you know he's okay. chilled out over his years. But actually, this. What's your favorite chicken? Because I said I was going to give you Bojangles. Uh, I apologize if that's not your favorite. Do you have a favorite kind of chicken? We don't even have Bojangles here. In that's a southern thing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't even have it. I apologize. Um, I don't know. Do you have Dave's Hot Chicken? No. I've heard well, of it. Though. Well, it's great. That's my favorite chicken. Okay. okay. <laughs> I, like I, said, okay I, I apologize for the Bojangles reference. That's a little too But funny. I've heard Bojangles is great, so... No. Yes, Bojangles is very good. Hey, I'm honestly more of a grilled person than a fried chicken. I don't know. Yeah, if that's yeah, yeah. I get that. Yeah, yeah. So, but I, I'll eat Bojangles, especially if it's like chicken tenders. Don't get. Yeah, I, I can what, eat well, both. Dave's hot chicken is like chicken finger type thing. Yeah. Okay, I approved that. I, Anyways, I, anyway. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Thanks for your featured program. Yes, yeah, so they also did a thing setting up the main event of the, the tournament, and we can talk about this a little bit. Throughout the show, they had four videos for all the pillars. They had one for MJF, then they had one for Sammy, they had one for, for Darby, and then one for Jungle Boy at the end. I personally, I mean, a lot has been said about this feud and this program for the title. A lot has been said about it. I think this was probably the best thing they could have done, especially because the last couple of weeks, let's face it, that stuff sucked. <laughs> like a lot of the stuff they were doing with this. That, like the, the tag match. The, 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 the match was good. The story yeah. stuff sucked. Oh, 100%. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah no, this these, these video packages were great. Um, yeah, I thought all back, four were effective. This is like the long time AEW thing that people have always wanted is like video packages to hype things up. And they used it to perfection on the show. You got the background of everyone. Though, for the 19th time, we had more babyface Sammy Guevara. I was going to mention that. And I was just like, what, what, what is, why? Why is this like always happen? I don't, I don't get it. Like, why is he a babyface? And then he'll say, but the fans stink. It's like, oh, ha, ha, you, you got me there. Um, he feels more babyface than I think almost everyone in the feud, including yeah. Jungle Boy and Darby. Like this, like if you watch both all four videos, I thought Sammy Guevara came off as the biggest babyface of the four. Obviously, MJF didn't come off as the babyface, but I thought that was wild. Like, what what are we doing? <laughs> well, you look at his promo. He literally said, "I want for all the kids out there 
if anybody tells you you can't do, you achieve your dreams, look at me and you can achieve your dreams. Like, it's like the most baby face line ever. And ever since the start of this, he's leaned into that. Remember when they had the segment, all four of them in the ring, and he was kind of this amazing baby face promo. Yeah. And then he turned around and was like, yeah, but at least I ain't like you losers in Canada. <laughs> like, you yeah, know, it's like, like oh, <laughs> he got us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was like, what was the point of that? You were having like a lot of energy. Like, really, I think I've been impressed with him on the mic, actually, way more than I thought I would be. He was a you people promo. Oh, yeah, well, that's the worst part of it. But just the stuff he's saying, like, that when he didn't do that, mm. his babyface promos are actually way better than what he was doing when he was actually a babyface. Mm. So I, I've been really impressed by him. I thought Darby had a good promo. You had Sting. I also like the, the thing where – all three of the challengers, they had somebody talk them up. You know, Sammy yeah. had Jericho, like, basically say, he wasn't my job guy. He's here to be a star. Uh, with Darby, you had Sting talk him up. And with Jungle Boy, you actually had Christian, the guy he buried alive, uh, mm. come and say, yeah, uh, we, you know, if he could get his head out of his ass, he could be the champion, because I've always believed he was the most talented guy. So I thought it was, like, a really good show-long story of the promos. And I thought all four did a great job, like, very effective. Even Jungle Boy, who I think is, like, by far the least good <laughs> on the mic. Uh, I thought in this setting with the the pre-taped whatever, he mm -hmm. sounded actually a lot better than he has on the mic at live. Yeah, yeah I'm in agreement with you on that one. So hopefully the match can work out. Uh, obviously, I think I the match is going to be really good. Like, oh, yeah. the one I thing these four will do well is wrestle. <laughs> That's, like, the least of my concerns. It's the build to it that I'm concerned about. And truth be told, that has kind of been the story of MJF as world champion so far. So, Yeah, that's true. I, I, I agree with all of that. Um, Even with Mr. Danielson, I was a little like, eh, I don't know about that. Until, like, the la the second to last week when Danielson cut a great promo. Oh, that promo was amazing. Yeah, that, that whole – yeah, Brian was awesome in everything he does in his life, <laughs> pretty much. Uh, they did a lot of stuff here. Uh, they set up the tag title match with uh, FTR and Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Mark Briscoe was involved. I thought – I personally thought, like, the performances were fine. This segment itself was really hokey, though. Because it's like, okay, you blinded a guy, so when you blind, you're going to give out a pile driver <laughs> randomly. Right. You know, I thought that was, like, super cheesy. And even the crowd was chanting, you effed up. At, <laughs> and it's not like there was any sympathy for the baby face. I thought that was, like, kind of a an ineffective segment, in my opinion. Yeah, this should be a TV feud. And when I say TV feud, I mean not building Dark. to a pay-per-view. <laughs> like, uh, meh. Yeah, meh. that's another thing. The, the, the match is not Wonderful. Even though Jeff Jarrett is Hendersonville's finest. It'll be a good, like, old-school tag team match, like, because yeah. that's kind of the styles at hand, but... Not exciting. Though. No, not exciting for FTR, who were the tag team of the year last year. Yeah, I agree. Uh, they did... did well, one of the tag teams of the year, at least. Oh, yeah. I mean, amazing matches, for sure. And for them. And this is not going to follow up. And I don't think they've done a great job with them anyway. I mean, their feuds have been with the Guns and now Jared and Lethal, who they're effective in their own way, but not in title match, epic match of the year ways, which we know FTR can do. Yeah. Uh, they did a thing with Jericho. Uh, he's somehow – this is another cheesy segment, in my opinion. Uh, basically, he banned – he got a court order against Adam Cole, so now he's banned from the buildings that he's in. So then Roderick Strong comes in. 
and basically says they need, they want to fight if he's not a coward. Sure. But then Jericho was like, hi, you're a sucker. I got an army behind me. And then Roderick was like, I also have legal papers against you. How did he know that? <laughs> how did, how did he know? What if he had said, no, I'm not doing the match? Adam Cole told him. Oh, okay. Adam Cole must have given him the scoop. He's like, hey, I got a court order against me, Roderick. You need to get one against Jericho. That's, okay. that's me ma- trying to make sense of something that doesn't make sense. Um, they, they need to have a vignette of Cole calling that in, though, of, somehow. Uh, the match will be good. Yeah, R- Roderick, I'm a huge <laughs> fan. Like, there, there, there's my take on this entire segment. The match will be good. I thought up until this, the story's been pretty good too. So yeah, me too. I like what they've done with Cole and Jericho, uh, actually, and I, I love Strong. I think he's a game-changing signing. Uh, genuine surprise was amazing. One of my favorite moments in Dynamite in years was when he debuted. Uh, so hopefully they can do good things there. The thing with Roddy is like he's a interesting signing to me because like for for fans that are just like deep long time fans of ring of honor obviously huge signing people that are fans of maybe the other sphere are a big signing the only thing is looking at him on this roster long term yeah i'm hoping he fits more than just being the good wrestler right i think that's like or great wrestler, I'll say great wrestler, like great in-ring guy, because I think that is a role that, like, they have a few of those, and I think Roddy's obviously, like, tremendous. I'm not I'm not discounting Roderick Strong by any means. I, just no, I, do, I do wonder where he can go, because, like, I don't see him winning the world title, but what I would do with him is, like, give him, like... I would give him what the Orange Cassidy thing has been. <laughs> really? Like, if that was his peak in Ring of Honor, uh, not Ring of Honor, in AEW, I think that'd be great. But you could put him in Ring of Honor, too, and have him challenge Claudio for the world title, and I think that's that's great. You know? It's like, that, that's that's where I see him, more than, like, a main eventer on AEW. He's a main eventer on... Ring of Honor, and he's that guy that you go to when you need a great match. Maybe, like maybe you have a heel that needs to get over. Yeah, you put him in there with Roddy. Roddy's gonna get the job done. Yeah, I I, I agree with you. I, Which I think is that's... very important, obviously. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of his, but I agree with what you're saying. I don't see him as a main event player. And what I said earlier too, again, this roster, no matter who you are. I think right. is going to be a struggle if you're coming in, if, even if you're the greatest ever. Uh, and he's a great performer, and I look forward to seeing what he can do. And hopefully next week will be good, too. But as a character, I think that they've still got a ways to go uh, with him. other than Because right now he's basically, he's hey, it's Adam's friend. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, you mentioned Orange Cassidy. He had a match on the show against Garcia for uh, for the title. Uh, he's got all these injuries uh, that they're telling a story week by week, which I enjoy. I will say, though, that Mamma was not impressed with this match at all. Uh, she said that it was way too choreographed at the start with Garcia and, and Cassidy. But uh, I thought it was a good match, though. I thought it was quite good. I thought it was – I liked it uh, pretty much just as much as the opener um, because it was, it was obviously very different. But yeah, yeah, true. It was a good story match, right, like Garcia – Garcia is going to keep losing because he's a sports, he's a pro, pro wrestler playing sports entertainer. That's clearly the story they're going with for him. 
Um, and that's kind of how OC escaped with the win rather than OC doing something that made him win in the end, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I, I'm not like Orange Cassie's biggest fan or anything. Like I could see if he lost the title tomorrow, I'd probably be happier more than sad. Yeah. But I, I do give him, he has turned this reign around because I got really bored with it like halfway through and yeah. he's made his, and with the injury aspect, it's made it more interesting to me. I just, uh, I just don't know who he beats. Listen, listen, listen. I'm going to skip forward a little here. Yeah. Why not Kyle Fletcher? Yeah, that's true. Hey. Hey. Yeah, yeah, we, we saw him on the show. <laughs> Let me talk to you folks. Talk why to not Kyle Fletcher? And I know why it's not going to be Kyle Fletcher. I'm not an idiot. I know Kyle Fletcher isn't going to win this thing. But Kyle Fletcher, what I th- he's one of my favorite uh, wrestlers today. I think he is... A walk. I'm gonna I'm gonna go big stakes here. I think he is a future IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. That's the potential I see in Kyle Fletcher. Okay. I think he's fantastic. I think you know learning under the Osprey tree isn't an accident um, because he has a lot of Osprey similarities, but also very different in style. Um, I actually don't. I actually wouldn't have Kyle Fletcher beat Orange Cassidy. I just, <laughs> I, I just wanted to give the whole ramble about why I think Kyle Fletcher's great. But I think, I think, in, in, you know, tell me if I'm wrong, but this feels like it could be a gateway to running back Cassidy versus Osprey from Forbidden Door last year. Have Osprey win the title? I think that would be interesting. They make it a double title match at Forbidden Door. Because, listen, people, it's Osprey and Omega. We're not going to act stupid here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Tanahashi and Lance Archer aren't getting the forbidden door spot. Un- unbelievable how the, the, these psychic visions you have. <laughs> Wouldn't be upset with Tanahashi getting the forbidden door spot, but it ain't happening. No, no, it's going to be Osprey for sure. But uh, I, the thing with Cassidy, I like him well enough, but also – with the chances he's given, and he's done a good job. I like this reign. I like the injury story. I like that we have a weak yeah. story. I think, though, the problem is, is that this is cool and all, and this is good, and he's done a great job, and the fans are yep. into him. I think that there are better choices for this kind of story, like exactly who we just talked about. This if, is his peak, though, to be fair. Yeah, I, I agree, and he's proven that he can handle it, which is more than I think some people might have thought going in there. I think he's proven to be a good enough job at it. But like I said, I think if you had had somebody like a Roderick Strong with this long title reign wrestling mm. every week, that would have been like every match would be match of the mm. year level. Takeshita. That perfect example right there. Yeah, he, he is one of the absolute best uh, talents on there. So uh, I miss you, Takeshita, Where, wherever you are. Where are you? Where are you with Cinnabon? <laughs> What's funny is they should have done Jungle Boy or Darby. <laughs> and that would have been perfect, too. Darby kind of did it, but, like, in the fastest version possible. Yeah, like the, the one-month version of, the, of this. Yeah, which yeah. I thought was a better reign than what I'm seeing now. Well, uh, well yeah, Darby is a great performer. So, uh, But we'll see. Uh, I didn't think this match was that special, to be honest. It, uh, but it was okay. Oh, I, I, I liked it. I liked the story part of it. Yeah, yeah, the story uh, part was good. I didn't think it was anything I'll be remembering. And to be fair, look at what was the main event was. So I think that'll yeah, be everything. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, everything's going to be forgotten. Like, the the first match is going to be forgotten, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and, yeah the first and they were good matches. It's just... Yeah, true. Good, 
Good you point. Had a fantastic match on the show. So. T- tell everybody what you think about the Outcast and, and what they're up to. Sheeta's coming back next week. She's been away for a while. Now she's back. Although she went away again for this week, but she will be back next week. Yeah, she had to go to wrestling Oz Academy. Um, wild. Disdain. I hear your voice for Oz, yeah. <laughs> Oz Academy. Um, <laughs> what do I think about the Outcasts? What do I think about the Outcasts? No holes barred, Scott. Tell us the truth. I uh, I don't like the angles that they are doing for weeks upon weeks upon weeks upon weeks. <laughs> yeah, months um, <laughs> I get the idea behind them. I do. I think Tony has been good in ring. I think Ruby has helped to make the group fuller. Um, Soraya is certainly there. Uh, she is present in all of these and, uh, that's, that's the best thing I could say so far. I mean, her, her matches aren't egregious or anything. I'm right. not going to say she's been bad or anything. She's just not holding up her end of the bargain, I think, either. Um, but thank God we're going to the trios match next week. That's, that, that is my biggest thing. Like, thank God we are finally getting to the thing that we've been waiting for for months. It seemed like for weeks. The sad only, about this. Yeah. What, this what felt it? like it was going to be like the blood and guts match at one point. This match, this this feud belongs like nowhere near blood and guts. I don't know. We, I don't even know what the Jamie match is going to be at this point because it's just That's been the, the same sad. thing for months. Yeah, like for like literally a month or two straight, the they did the exact same angle every week. Of a three on one beatdown until either A, Riho came down with her lead pipe, or B, yep. Riho came down without her lead pipe and got beat up. <laughs> like, yep. those, those, those were the only differences. And now we're finally doing this. And Hater is such a great talent. They, they're they killing me with the women's division in AEW. I, I think they're like totally missing the boat on so many great talents. Sheeta, I absolutely love, I think has potential to be amazing and do so much, but they've never been able to use her right. And now they're, it's, I don't know. I just, uh, it, that, uh, that whole deal annoys me. I will say the positive thing I'll take is I think Ruby ever since she's turned has done a lot of good things. I think she's better in this role than what she was doing before. I thought her sure. promo was very good uh, when she explained her turn. And I think she's added some good things to it. And Tony, obviously, is a good wrestler. Um, Hater and Sheeta, I absolutely love. Uh, Britt and, and Soraya are, are fine. I, I don't hate them or feel strongly about them either way, to be honest. Uh, but I just think the women's division is in desperate need of a, a next step. And like you said, we don't even know what her match is going to be at any point. So uh, let's blow through these small things before we get to the main event. There's a couple of things left. Uh, Christian Cage cut an awesome promo on Detroit uh, on Arn Anderson talking about daddy issues and son issues. Uh, the fans were chanting Edge is better. They just gave him, like, nuclear heat. And kind of what we were talking about with Dominic on Raw, this was like that, but he's so much more natural and believable. Like, it's not a shtick that the fans are in on. This was like a guy that, like, totally believes in a totally awesome dick character. Uh, I thought the promo was awesome. Uh, do you have any thoughts on his title match and versus Wardlow? Put the belt on Christian. Yeah. That is my thought. One, because we're not doing this with Warlow anymore. Two, <laughs> because I think he just has better heat, and he's the type of guy you have a baby face beat to get over big time. Yeah, and I think he could do good things. Like, 
he's like the promo version of what we talked about with like a Darby or what they're doing with OC or Roderick as we had in mind. Have him every week cut promos like this with the title. And then finally, like that'll lead to a nuclear win for a, a babyface to get over, as you said. Uh, I think Cash the Yes. Listen, I'm just going to keep saying to catch them until we give them goddamn belt, okay? <laughs> okay. Like, so you're getting serious about this. If, I, I if if it's not Christian beating Wardlow, it should be Swerve. Oh, I love Swerve. If yeah, Swerve isn't beating Wardlow, he should be beating Orange Cassidy. Yeah. You, you want me? You People are going to learn very quickly on this show. I have a few agendas, and one of them is Swerve being respected in AEW. I'm sick of this guy doing nothing. I'm sick of this guy having no direction. I'm happy he doesn't have to be with Trench and uh, Parker oh, Bordeaux was... anymore. Yeah. But, man, Swerve should be doing so much more. I'm hoping this feud with Keith Lee goes to Double or Nothing, the match happens at Double or Nothing, and then Swerve can go on to become a main event heel. He's not just a mid-card heel. He's a main event heel. He has a match with Nick Wayne set in July. That's when he's going to really show his heel side. Just let this man be great. Swerve wasn't even on the show. Again, part of my problem, but I had to talk about it. No, I'm, I'm like one million percent a part of this agenda with you. I said at the end of last year, same thing. He's a main event player, talent wise, but they don't do anything with this guy. Like you said, that group with Trench and all that was like the worst idea I, I could imagine. I don't know what they were thinking with that. And now they've got him in basically this new version of the embassy. And it's just like, this is going nowhere. You got it's to give this guy, better, but it's not uh, good. Yeah, well, yeah, anything would have been better than the, the, the other like, one. But, like, it would have worked better if they put um, Khan and Leona with him. Yeah. And just took out the Cage and Prince Nana aspect. Yeah. But that's not what we did, so whatever. Um, but I agree with you. If it were up to me, <laughs> I would build... Because, like, they've done it so – like, they might as well just drag it out. I would give them a huge plunder hardcore match, similar to what he did to Lucha Underground with Fox. Mm. Like, bring that back. Give them a spotlight match. Everyone will be talking about that no matter what happens on the rest of the show. I'm it's telling true. you, Swerve can get it done, people. I Like, Scott is so right on that. Except for Anarchy in the arena. That will probably have people talk a little bit more. But that's oh, that, that, that's true. Yeah, we're, we're going to get there. We're, we're, we'll get there. <laughs> but uh, let's get through these other matches. we got a couple more. Uh, Anna Jay and Julia Hart, they had a hardcore match. Uh, to me, the best part of the match was, like, how good Julia is at, like, lip-syncing her song. That's the best talent. No, how Julia Hart. Got better than Anna Jay already. Yeah. But she did. Yeah. Um, Julia Hart's very good at character work. Julia Hart has a brighter future, I think, than Anna Jay right now. Um, Anna Jay should start doing some indies. Yeah. Like, I agree with literally all of that. The only thing I'll say about this is I think it was a little. I don't like when they do stuff on Rampage and then, like, suddenly it's brought over here. It's like, okay, we're. This was basically out of nowhere to Dynamite viewers. A hardcore match between two people who never wrestle on Dynamite at all. And didn't they only have, like, one match that that built up to this anyway? I think so, yeah. Yeah. They were former friends. I mean, if if we ever feud... I mean, we, I, I like that idea, though. Like, 
if you're former friends, you just go right to the violence. You know, you, you don't wait for build up or fuse or any of that crap. Just go right to the violence. But uh, the match wasn't special uh, or even particularly good. But I was impressed with the lip syncing overall. And then more House of Black. Uh, they're doing this house rules match here. Uh, the open house rules. And it was Bandito, Trent, and Chuck Taylor versus uh, the House of Black. You know, Buddy, Black, and Brody King. What did you make of the match, the rules, the lights? I mean, th- those the light setup has been talked about more than anything, I think, before besides the main event on this show. Um... Um, the lights aren't it. Uh, <laughs> the lights, I just don't like when lights are altered in matches. Like, I don't like it when they did it for Sin Cara. You know, little kid me liked it. Um, <laughs> but because I was like, oh, this is cool. There are colors and stuff like that. I use Sin Cara in the video game all the time. Um, I didn't like it when The Fiend had a piercing red light that would never go away. That was the worst, I think. <laughs> this one's better than both of those. Yeah. But, like, you want to see the crowd. You want to see the crowd react to things at the end of the day. Um, the action was fine. Um, I think, I just think, like, at this point, everyone was like, all right, let's see if the man is. Hey, he's exactly right. That's exactly how I feel right now. No, I, I like the match. I, thought, I think Bandito's another guy. He's stuck on the roster, but he's a guy, if they wanted to do something with him, he could really stand out and get over. I really love him. Uh, the House of Black is fine. I agree with you. The rules, it's an interesting idea. It makes him special, but. We'll have to, fig- they'll have to alter it. Have y- to alter. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's a first, I like that they're doing something different though. It yeah. isn't perfect, and this wasn't a perfect match, but I like the idea, and hopefully they can get it right. So, the main event. And literally when this was happening, Ken, my, my grandpa, my great-grandpa, he was saying, like, oh, man, I was about to fall asleep, but I can't fall asleep for this match. <laughs> like the cage match. Uh, Kenny Omega versus John Moxley, Brian Danielson, my commentary. I mean, there was so much to this match. Um, the first of all, I started out brawling. Like, the, the combat club came out. The Bucks came out. People were getting thrown off the stage until finally security separated everybody. Uh, the match was just so violent. Uh, Mamma was watching this. She literally like covered her eyes, like at certain points when the barbed wire came out, and you see the blood on the backs, uh, the glass. Moxley ripped up the ring, had him fish hooked with the ring thing, which was very dangerous. Low <laughs> looking, uh, very very impressive spot there. This match was freaking awesome. Like I, oh my god, what a great spectacle match here! And it ended with the big angle of uh, Don Callis coming in looking like he was helping Omega, but then turning on him, driving the screwdriver into his head, and letting Moxley get the win, and then he flexed up the ramp like he did it afterwards. I loved all of this. Oh, my goodness. What did you think, Scott? There is no one like Kenny Omega. Um, And I say that in reference to there – I don't know if I've ever seen a wrestler be able to – make his style fit a specific match better than him. Um, In that we know, I think, you know, most people know Kenny Omega as the instant classic best bout machine from New Japan, right? That's, That's the Kenny Omega everyone adores the most. 
But we've seen this year alone three very different matches. The first being the Will Ospreay one, right? Very specific, New Japan style, epic, very personal. We've seen the one with Vikingo, Lucha-inspired, um, just nonstop, insane action. And now an all-out war inside a steel cage. Those are three very different matches. Yet, we've all walked away from those three saying, that was fantastic, that was great. Some have said match of the year. I, you know, no one's saying match of the year necessarily for this one, but they're saying it was one of the best TV matches of the year. I think that alone is good. They're saying it was one of the best TV matches of the year with the Vikingo match. And I think that is an embodiment to what he's capable of doing now that he's healthy. He wasn't healthy for a long time. And he was still doing stuff like this. But now that he's healthy, him and John Moxley had their best match to date, in my opinion, on this show. Oh, for sure. I totally think that. I wasn't sold on their two stipulation matches, the first two pay-per-views they had. Like, I didn't love the full gear match. I know some people love that one. I was, It wasn't, it just didn't, for me, that, that stipulation didn't fit where the feud was at at that time. I just don't think it did. Um, I thought the match where Kenny ended up turning and winning the title was quite good, but it wasn't to the spectacular rate that these two have been at since then. Um, I don't think, and I didn't think that the, uh, the exploding death match, obviously everyone remembers the end, but I didn't think that was anything like unbelievably special. Yeah. This was special, mm-hmm. right? Th- this was befitting of what the of the story they've been telling and you know don't talk about the end yet they created the match that fit perfectly to continuing the story because a steel cage match can oftentimes be the end of a feud but this felt like the perfect middle ground to what's next and that's that's the accomplishment by both Kenny Omega and John Moxley um these two should be great rivals because John Moxley can do the same thing that Kenny Omega does in a lot of ways. I don't know if Kenny, you know, John Moxley can't match the Lucha stuff. He can do the Lucha Brawler stuff. He can't do the, you know, Vikingo craziness, right? Like, not many people can, to be fair. That's not really, that's not really a, a shame on John Moxley's part. Um, but he's able to change his style to fit, um, and I think it's why this match works so well, right? You have the barbed wire, you have the craziness, but you also have the great wrestling. You have them smashing through the cage and, and, and Kenny getting caught up and you thinking he got hurt and them working that into the match and working back in. Moxie looks like he's going to win using the screwdriver. Don Callis comes in, right? He, he rips the screwdriver out, saves Omega, confuses Moxley, who Moxley gets hit. Hit with the one wing angel, you think it's over, then Don Callis does what he does. It's a perfect setup, and it's just such a great job by these two of not only knowing the mission at hand, but delivering a match worthy of the hype that was going into it. And I think that's just why these two are two of the best in the world today. I think that's why Kenny, unlike a lot of the very best wrestlers, is so unique. 
that he can fit any style. And the fact that this is still kind of just the beginning of this feud. Oh my God. We are, we are just in for something special and we've been in for something special for a month now. Man, you said it. And I was going to make that exact point. Let's face it. Before this show, there was a couple of weeks of dynamite that weren't exactly well received from a lot of the fans. You know, I'm not talking about ratings or anything. I'm talking about people who watch the show who are fans of the show thinking, man, this show is not up to the standard we thought it was. But this match, everything you said, especially the the Vikingo and now this match, I think that Vikingo match was a legendary match. Like, it should have been presented more. I think they could have done a lot more just talking about it and making it feel special. But now you have this. To me, Omega is AEW. Like, he is the heart and soul of this company, like the true main eventer. And MJF is the champion. They've done a ton to get him over, uh, gave him a lot of promo time. But to me, the heart of AEW is these matches, or these matches that Omega is doing, the feud with BCC and the Elite. I think that has been the clear highlight, no matter what people have said in the other shows. That's always been great. They've had twists and turns, great violence, a great villain, and Danielson and the rest of the BCC have done good. Uh, I just love during this match when they would cut to Brian on commentary laughing <laughs> whenever, uh, you know, Moxley was doing something. I remember one part where Omega hit him with the, the barbed wire chair, and Brian screamed out. He's like, do you really think this is the first time Mox has been in this situation? <laughs> uh, Brian is so freaking great. Like, he's my favorite wrestler like uh, on the roster. I love Brian Danielson. And Omega, I wasn't even a big fan of his in New Japan. Uh, I thought his title reign wasn't that good. thought he was overrated, blah, blah, blah. But in AEW, ever since he's gotten here, and especially the last – I mean, really, the whole – most of his career. But I do agree, obviously, like, the exploding match was one of the biggest fails of all time in AEW, with just because of the ending more so than the match itself. But if you look at his resume, whether it's the tag team with Paige, whether it's random singles matches, you go back to him versus Pac in that great singles match. You're bringing up stuff with Vikingo. Even in New Japan, when he did come back versus Osprey. That's probably going to be the main event of Forbidden Door and going to be an amazing match. Once again, highly anticipated. This guy is the heart and soul of AEW. And listen, don't take anything away from Mox now. This guy has done some great work, too. And this obviously was in his element in this hardcore stipulation. To me, the spot that stood out was when he hit the when Omega hit the V-trigger through the cage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it looked so natural like it wasn't supposed to happen because of how he fell. Like, it was so good how they were able to do that and do it safely and, uh, you know, how he was able to get through it. I mean, there's a lot of pain involved, but, man, what a great match. The ending with Don Callis opens up some interesting angles. Basically, on Twitter, he's kind of teased something with Osprey more than being with BCC, and I actually think Mm -hmm. that's – I don't think he fits at all with BCC. I think that would be a big mistake. If they put him, yeah. yeah, with them, I think him and Osprey and the 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 Empire can do some great work together. So, so what I thought was interesting was uh, the way Danielson played it up. He's like, I don't know what happened, but I love it. I have no idea what's happening, but I'm okay with it, right? It's like, okay, so that's so unless he's playing stupid, which is obviously always a possibility, this is likely a Don Callis next step scenario, right? 
Um, and Don Callis has worked with New Japan, obviously. That's, you know, he was very much deeply working with New Japan one time. So. Yeah, the commentator, yeah. So it's, it's exciting to see, um, where this goes. I, I like the idea he's not aligned with Blackpool Combat Club necessarily because, again, like you said, it's not really a fit. Yeah. Um, and I think that's part of the excitement. Where does Takeshita play into this, right? I think yeah, Takeshita is yeah. like the biggest wild card because it feel like you would think, oh, he's probably going to join, you know, the the elite. But at the same time, like, there's that gimmick to the Blackpool Combat Club where if you bleed with them, you're with them, right? Yep. Well, he bled with them, so there's a possibility there, right? Um, I, I we'll have to wait and see if that ultimately is what we go to, but that's that's to me like what I'm more waiting to see. If yeah. Don's with uh, you know Aussie Open and and Will, then great, that's cool with me. That's an interesting twist. Um, if this is just to get Don eventually off television, I get that too. Uh, but I like the idea that Don's backing someone, right? Um, and and if everyone saw the post show promo by Kenny. Like, if I can't trust family, who can I trust? Well. We don't, yeah, well, that teases a certain someone, a free well, agent. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> I see yeah, where you're going with this. They they want you to think it's Cody. Yeah, right? Yes, yeah. Obviously. And listen, ultimately, sometime, whether it's soon or three months down the road, it's probably going to be Cody Bushi. That being said, it has to be Hangman first. Yeah. That's the story at hand. Hangman hasn't been seen, right, since he got attacked. It's got to be Kenny and Hangman trusting each other first. That's the story that's most important. Then it can be Kota Ibushi. But the Hangman aspect's most important to this right now. I agree. I I was exactly going to bring all of that stuff up because – that angle they did with Takeshita was so good with Brian giving him the screwdriver. And I thought that perfectly set up a heroic return for him. With things set up, if Ibushi is on the table, and that is where they're going to go, and that can lead oh. to Ibushi. Oh, Ibushi's on the table. <laughs> a big five-on-five five match. like Because the way it would set up would be Omega, the Bucks, Page, Ibushi versus right. the Blackpool Combat Club, and they need a fifth guy which Takeshita would be amazing at that, obviously. My only, like, hesitation with this, because that does sound amazing. Turning Takeshita to heel. Exactly. Like, that goes against all of his, like, amazing tendencies that he's had his entire career. Mm-hmm. Maybe he'll see that as a challenge. Like, I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know how he thinks, like, wrestling-wise. Nobody knows. <laughs> the but, way yeah. I've thought about this is... He joins them, right, because maybe he sees Don turn on Kenny and that kind of alters his decision-making, right? Yeah. And they didn't save him in the end, right? He got beat up. Um, I think that's the one way. And then, ultimately, the payoff down the road is Takeshita getting back on the good side, realizing he picked the wrong side, getting a win over a Danielson or Moxley, and then that makes him a bigger star as a result. That's the only way I think it could make sense. Um, But we'll have to wait and see. 
Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think that's a good plan, and I'm willing to give it a chance. I mean, this is the feud that's carried the company, in my opinion, for months now. So whatever they have in plan with all of these guys, I have confidence. I think this is the one thing everyone's checked in uh, and zoned in on mentally and how they've executed it as well. So great match, interesting storytelling. We'll have to see where they're going in the next uh, long while. But this, like you said, it's not the finishing touch. It's a, a middle point, and we're going to see where they go after that. So, uh, yeah, uh, that that's about it for the shows. Uh, do you have any kind of final thoughts on the shows? Uh, which show did you think was the best, of Raw, SmackDown, and Dynamite? Um, I think Dynamite. I think Dynamite just edges out SmackDown. Like, obviously, they have the better match, but, like, this, the angles were good throughout the show. They accomplished a lot going towards the pay-per-view. Mm-hmm. Um, SmackDown did have some low points. Like, unfortunately, the women's title match was a low point. Yeah, despite, that was like, And I think that was the lowest match point of either show, too, so... It edges out SmackDown. I'll go with Dynamite uh, this week. But uh, if this is how SmackDown is going to be booked moving forward, then um, you know, I have some hope. I agree. I think Dynamite was the best show. I like the angles. I even didn't think Raw was too bad. I just thought it was boring throughout the middle of it. But, like, the la- the first half hour and the last half hour were both enjoyable, and they did some decent things. There was a lot to improve on, of course. Uh, SmackDown did a lot of 